but that word is stupid. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. <laughs> that guy's fucking right. Studies show marijuana can be very psychologically addictive. Man, f- them studies. What do you mean that's my pot? Stay stoned. We're stoned. I'm gonna give you this joint, nigga. Oh my god, yes. Dorian, shut up. Well, I've often thought that he maybe is a little autistic. Oh man! Do you know how bad you sound? Most indeed. Uh, I mean, yes. We are the first! Dope smoking. I also know a thing or two about cannabis. Well, hey. I'm wondering which one is it? A thing or two. And I wonder a lot of other things, but I do know something for certain. It's Tuesday night. Bet you're feeling all right, because you're here in the bowl. This is September 19th, 2023. And I'm sitting here in FEMA Region 7, bringing you Bowl After Bowl episode 270. I'm Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. And I am Dame DeLorean. And you're a gash during bowler, I'll tell you what. If so, you didn't know, now you know. Now you know. Lati da. Lati da, and good on you. Good to see you. Glad to have you back. Uh, let's see the significance this time oh of the passage goodness. of time. It feels like forever. Mm-hmm. It feels like forever this time. It feels even longer than the last time we were in the bowl, and we said, wow, it felt like a lifetime between this t- it bowl and It feels last- like a month I since last f- no, week. No, I feel like I died and was resurrected. Yeah. <laughs> Just like on the path, walking home again. Mm. <laughs> mm. Will it ever slow down? Well, you know, it beats the alternative. That's for sure. And, uh, gee whiz. Gee whiz. It's weird to have like every day in the recap, you know, because every day there's yeah. the significance of the passage of every day. At least there's chapters now, so people can just skip this. That's right. That's right. We now introduce chapters thanks to Lorian and nobody else because uh, really we, we require a certain amount of motivation here at the Bull. It doesn't matter enough that we want something, we have to need it. Yeah. It's like how the Chiefs play football, you know? Exactly. They can't do shit until it's absolutely necessary. And that's how we are, you know? Yeah. We got wish lists and things that would be nice. But then when it's crunch time and the shit's about to hit the fan, that's when it's go. Mm-hmm. So now that's why we have chapters. That's the long story short for you. And if you want to just skip right to the shit stain because you're a Bitcoin boy and you don't really care about anything else, well, go ahead. There's a chapter now. Just hit the shit stain chapter. Yeah, and if you feel like, hey, I'm listening to Bull After Bull for my weed news. I don't give a shit about these people talking. Go behind the curtain. And if the chapters give you some sort of a value, 
uh, of being able to listen to the show now when you weren't before, well, hey, return that value, baby. Yeah, and boosting the chapter that you're listening to so we can see what's the most valuable part of the show. Yeah, the MV <laughs> chapter. Uh, I'm sure it is the uh, top 333. We all know that's oh, the best. Oh, yeah. It's the best segment. It's the one I live for. Uh, wow. Recap. We'll start with the Wednesday, mm-hmm. just a day after the show. You dry run. I did a test of my music podcast, Homegrown Hits. Homegrown Hits. And there was no theme song that night. Uh, it was just me sitting behind the computer trying to figure out where all the buttons were. <laughs> and Did you find them? I did. It went pretty smoothly, my friends. Mm-hmm. I played three songs and chatted in between them, and Stephen B. was in the chat giving some pointers and such, and it was a team effort. And I published the episode with no hiccups, really. Of course, being just me... With no chatter between songs, you know, pretty straightforward and easy. And then Thursday was episode one of Homegrown Hits with Mary-Kate Ultra and Daisy B. Cooper and myself. And it was amazing. I thought it was a great time. We are keeping the show to an hour. Of course, we're only playing self-hosted music. So, Booberry worded it so beautifully on Podcasting 2.0. The only show with enough balls to exclusively play self-hosted music. Yeah, that's what's up. I might have butchered the ending there, but... Big ups. Paraphrase. Yeah, and three chicks, you know, it's a lot of fun. We were, you know, a little bit of banter between the songs. Three, and Three chicks does sound fun. <laughs> uh, peep, 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 peep. Like little chicks. Chicken. Oh, I, I, yeah, I see what you did there. I, my voice is shot, so. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, peeping ain't easy. Mm-mm, not these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, then, and then, you know, I went into the post show, right? To Be- publish the episode and stuff. And you would think that I did not do that dry run the night before. I got the episode published, but it was a team effort. And all these things are, um, I've been having nightmares of RSS feeds since this. Yeah. You have like, uh, you're sleeping in the, it's like back in the day when I played DDR, I might go to sleep and I could see the arrows moving up the screen in my brain. You know, it's like, I'd still see the arrows and same with guitar hero games like that. Now I close my eyes and I just see the damn RSS feed. (laughs) It's been a nightmare. It's recurring. A code mare. And uh, yeah, a code mare. Yeah, that's a thing. That's how you know it's working. So that's how you know you're working. It's only up from here. I know that. But I really messed up the chapters in the JSON, and my split kit was a mess because of the banter in between songs. I think I made too many blocks. Ah, you know, and I wasn't using podcast. I was playing the music off of the split kit, so I was doing the um playlist where it just automatically plays, and then I would have like three hours of silence in a block. But I also was trying to feel out the co-hosts of should we have music in between or silence, and they liked the background music, so then I had to keep shifting this one block around <laughs> to keep being in between the songs. Mm. It was a it was a a mess. 
you know? Yeah. If someone was watching from behind me, they probably would have been embarrassed for me. (laughs) So anyway, um, the long and the short of it is that I forgot a comma in my JSON file for chapters. Yep. Oh, first, I was calling back to the wrong chapters. So I published the episode with the chapters of my test night. Nice. So when I was playing Stay a While, Like Wine was showing up as the chapter art and such. Probably the value block, too. I don't know how bad it was, how bad I screwed it up. Um, And anyways, I get it all changed to the right episode. But then, yeah, there was a comma missing between two of the chapter code (laughs) it's hard to explain in english too i'm like i can visually see it i don't know if that's an item or what but yeah um thanks to you and booberry we got it sorted out i think it's good now uh it looked pretty screwed up on fountain still so i'm not sure what's up with that but i uh ended up just deleting the song from my fountain library and then re-adding it to my library and it's fine the song the episode whatever okay. whatever episode one of homegrown hits is what i mean yeah so all the chapters are right okay awesome just confirmed that earlier today it only took me three days to get the episode published right you guys but you know what i did learn from this experience because all failure is just a learning experience one is to check for the commas for sure because i actually had fixed that mistake the night before in the dry run when everything went swimmingly, it was so breezy easy. Uh, and the other thing I'm going to do is not publish the episode or ping it, at, like ping my feed as updated, if that's what you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I'm causing caching issues <laughs> with how many times I did it this last run. Well, you just- I would fix something and I would immediately ping. And then I would be like, oh, it's still not working and change another thing and ping again. I had to have done it 33 times. Yeah. I could have clogged up the whole system, you guys. That's how I feel. (laughs) Always test before pushing to main. Yeah. So I'm hoping you'll help me test this Thursday uh, before I publish. Yeah. And for those of you out there, tune in to the Bowl After Bowl stream Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central for Homegrown Hits. Should have a good ad for you going in the. <laughs> it doesn't sound like all the coding. It's actually a very smooth listen. We all have nice, soothing voices. Yeah, we listened again on the way up to Iowa, and it was yes. it was great. Sounded nice. Um, and I should have a good plug for you on podcasting 2.0 this week. Cool. Blueberry had a wonderful boost, as I already mentioned. It's more subtle but it does drive traffic to the Homegrown Hits IRC channel. That was kind of my call to action. Ah, uh, yes, and pound Homegrown Hits. You can talk to us in there. Um, And so then that was Wednesday and Thursday, yeah. consumed by the hits. I will say that tonight when I got <laughs> back on my FileZilla, I just pushed the feed.xml file. Uh-oh, and it was probably logged in as... Well, My it was just hits. the local was pointed to the local folder homegrown hits oh. sits in. So I just overwrote our feed with the homegrown hits feed. Luckily, that's a simple change. And I didn't alert the network and ping the pod. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, because you always, so, you should test then ping. I will, after homegrown hits is done, just click back onto the bowl after bowl files. 
so that it's set up and ready for you. You know, like, uh, leave no trace. Yeah. You know, put things back the way I found them. I just have to be aware that that's a thing. You know, I didn't yeah. realize that when I close out a FileZilla, it's going to open right back where I left it. Really, it's my responsibility. It's kind of like leaving the toilet seat up or down. Like, oh. where the toilet seat should be is up to the guy that walks into the bathroom about to piss. Yeah. If you're about to piss, before you piss, you need to put the toilet seat where you need it to piss. Not yeah. the last guy. The last guy doesn't need to set the toilet seat where the next guy needs it. So I like, agree with that. You walk into the room. That's, so I sat down in the chair. I need to check where my FileZilla's at. Oh, now. There's and it's my responsibility. Two feeds, one FileZilla. That's right. And they're both named feed.xml. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is the... The, uh, the way it goes. It's the perfect name for your feed. You should name it feed.xml. That's just canon. Uh, so yeah, I was going to ask you Thursday. I mean, it was a great show, but... Like any favorite songs that got played or any like surprises, things that you didn't expect? Um, no, not surprises. I don't think the girls and I are chatting pretty much daily. <laughs> I was surprised that it was, uh, the eve of Daisy B. Cooper's birthday. Oh yes. That was a surprise. I didn't learn that until right before the stream started. That was pretty cool. So yeah. you launched for like a birthday present. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a birthday filled show. Because my birthday is coming up on a homegrown hits night. Nice. That's what's up. Starting with a birthday show. It's good magic. I think so. I think so, too. Birth a show on a birthday. I mean, it makes sense. Nothing but sense. But as for the songs... There it is. Oh, there's the bell. Sorry, I was You're smacking all the way around it. Smacking the desk. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get to. My uh, inbox is growing. As for the songs, I guess the biggest surprise was... Uh, Croatoans One Night, which we debuted, Fletcher's new song. That was exciting. Oh, that's right. That was a good one. Yeah. I was humbled that he let us do that. Because he played it after uh, Bulls with Buds Friday night. Yep. Got a little taste. Yep. I heard so. some white triangles too. Oh, yeah. That was great. And there's. Yeah, it's hard to sing. It's haunting. I love the. Every time I sing along, I'm like, I'm not quite getting this. I know, I know. Those are impressive vocals. Yeah. And there's a new White Triangles track out this week. Mm, I love it every time. Yeah. Loving every minute of it. Uh, So, okay. It's just nice to be a part of the DMU without being a huge cataloged musician. Yeah. You know, because that's kind of something I've been really like beating myself up over is not having any music to put out yet. <laughs> I know. I, I want to make stuff with you. Yeah, I, just I know. Feel like we've, we've got just... stuff that's started. Yes. And that's, you know. It's, it's just another one of those time cluster things, you know, we got to line things up. But like, you've already been a huge part of Demio by being writing the use case with Abel and the Wolf. And now I'm able to be a part of it at least more than just the song I did with Fletcher or MK Bowler with boost them all now i'm you know bringing it to people's ears and sharing what's out there which is exciting i think it's very cool and i think it's like the perfect next step for you it makes just like it fits it does yeah and i you know i was looking for an excuse to get into making an rss feed and doing a podcast yep in case god forbid and i'm knocking on wood (laughs) 
<laughs> if something happens to you and I have to do a solo show, I don't want to have to ask for help. Right. You know, like if you're sick in bed, I want to let you sleep instead of being like, so, okay, I recorded, but I wasn't live and I don't know how to publish, yada, yada. I can always be sick down here, though, instead of sick in bed. <laughs> I know. I did this song with, with the, the fucking kidney stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I did this song, did this show. You got songs on the mind. I got a lot of songs, man. Speaking of songs, next day we went to the, the concert. We did. You won tickets. One ticket from work. So my work sends me to fucking Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is just so absurd in hindsight, you know? Mm-hmm. In ministry. And ministry. Before them, which was, they were great. They were. That was a rocking line. And the, another opener, 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 but I we missed them. Filter. Filter, yeah, that was we it. missed Filter. Yep. But it was okay because our kids got the best babysitters in the world. They had, and we were having fun hanging out. They with They had friends. maybe even more fun than we did. <laughs> maybe it's hard to, I don't know. They, but it was close. They have described it as the best day ever. I posted some pictures to the various socials. I kind of have like one foot over on mk.spook.social because I like that one. Yeah, that's where I post my more deviant shit. You didn't get my nice boots in the picture. I wear these awesome boots, and then I never take pictures where you can see my feet. Uh, You should have stood up on uh, that amphitheater's chair and whipped your boobs out. I would have taken all kinds of pictures. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Shoulda, woulda, coulda. (laughs) Again, it's that proper motivation that we talked about to open the show. (laughs) We're lucky we even got to the concert. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. The energy last week was... Everywhere and nowhere at the same time. It was a lot. It was a whole lot to track and a whole lot to uh, to deal with. But, I I really loved the Cooper set because yes. he opened with that big uh, tarp of Alice Cooper Band in Kansas, this like newspaper. Yeah. And then he started with No More Mr. Nice Guy, which is one of my favorites. And as far as musicianship, man, Alice Cooper and his band that he brought out Kicked everybody else's dicks in the dirt. Yeah. The fucking guitar skills of those guitar players was insane. Yeah. I've never seen live guitarists as good as that. It was incredible. Same. And I love how he gives them, you know, the spotlight too, even though he's such a performer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Every single one of those guitarists got in the spotlight. It was really cool. Especially, obviously, his daughter. She's a smoke show, man. Mm Mm-hmm. Goddess, um, yeah, and then they, you know, they did the classic guillotine chop. His wife comes out and dances around in like a Marie Antoinette thing. That was fun. Yep. And then runs around with his head raised high. <laughs> it's just like, oh man, it's a family affair, you know? Yeah, I love that about it. He came out in a straight jacket for uh, God. I can't remember the song now. I don't remember either. But man, that was a but, but spit take of a song. The, the the behind the schemes gimp got out and was like z- zapping him and shit. I know. I wondered what would happen if the gimp got loose. I had to call Booberry. I was like, you need to reinforce that cage, my man. Because next time it's not going to be Alice Cooper getting shocked. It's going to be <laughs> your ass, dude. I think Booberry secretly wishes for that, though. So he's probably not going to fix the locks at all. Yeah. I mean, one who fucks with gimps perhaps wants to one day be the gimp. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I will say... I did not know what to expect uh, when it comes to uh, Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. Cause Same. I, I'm familiar with Rob Zombie's, you know, hits. 
Yeah. And obviously a lot of that's even on the rock station I listen to, uh, mostly if I'm listening to radio. But I just didn't really, I don't know, I haven't seen any of his movies. I've never been a big horror fan in general, just um, yeah. for whatever reason. You know, I'm not like a hater either. It just doesn't really like sing with me most times. It just makes you angry. I do. Like I get a lot of like fight or flight fight style shit like that comes up if I watch horror movies. I'm just like ready to go. I'm engaged. Like, uh, I saw House of a Thousand Corpses when I was probably like 12 because it came out when I was 10. I think for me, like a lot of trauma-based entertainment, I just don't have that suspension of disbelief, you know? Or maybe I have too much of a suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Where I, like, I get it's just a movie. It's not like I don't fucking understand that. But, like, my body is ready to respond, either, like, first aid or, like, weapons or, you know what I mean? Like, like, I'm just thinking all these things. And, um... Yeah, you go into fight or flight. I don't know. <laughs> it's like I've seen enough of this. It's just stressful. I've for seen you enough and, of this kind of thing in person and, that uh, I don't. I don't know. If you're sitting it, down to watch the boob tube, you just want to enjoy yourself. Exactly. And if you're not going to enjoy yourself, then you're not going to watch it. It's fine. You're not into fear-based entertainment. But what he put on, <laughs> first of all, it was a visual masterpiece. Overload, brain fuck, like yeah. He had so many different displays and screens. There was just like a triple one on the floor, the stage floor. And a banner overhead with a scrolling words. Big and- banner overhead, some horizontal kind of, uh, or I mean some some portrait mode screens all around in different depths and places on the stage. The drums were on this humongous platform that raised and lowered at will. And then there was like an enormous back behind them uh, projector screen. So all kinds of visual media the whole time for all the songs, uh, which made it look really awesome. And then they had a big, tall puppet-ass thing on stilts that came out a, a, a bunch of times. Yeah. That came out in Alice for Alice Be My Frankenstein. Yeah. And he basically walked on stage and off stage. He like walked from stage right to stage left. And then it was kind of done. And we made jokes about, oh, it must be like $10,000 per minute for insurance and purposes. Yeah, there's like there's some kind of policy in place or something. Yeah, I barely got a picture of him. And then it was like, oh, he's gone. Good thing you were looking. (laughs) Mm. But Rob Zombie had at least four of those stilt puppets yeah it's it was either the same puppet coming out in different costumes or it was different puppets that just kept coming out but like they were all over the place you had like one with big scary horns and shit and then there was this huge like demon statue inflatable that he pumped up uh oh it's like the robot right it's like a baby robot with green eyes um no like the huge thing in the back yeah was definitely some kind of a, a demon oh let me see if I can find my picture of it. Yeah, and he had the pyrotechnics, like big flames blasting all the time. Yeah, and the fringe. He had a fringe jacket and fringe on his pants, and when he was dancing around, it was just so mesmerizing. When he threw up the Hellbilly Deluxe album cover, that was a really cool look. Oh, and yeah. And it also kind of highlighted where all the screens were and how many of them there were. Uh, really crispy image. And also the 25th anniversary of that album. Yeah. Which I was like, holy shit. Craziness. Yeah, here's that big, yeah, that's like a, that's a big old fucking pants goblin, man. That's not a robot, right? He's got pointy that's, ears. Look at his arms. 
It's a robot, because remember, the puppet came out later for his robot. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess his arms are kind of... But it's like a demon baby robot combination. It's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Lots of fire. But you know, Alice ended his set with Happy Halloween. Yes. And then, of course, Rob Zombie, he's got all these demons coming out on stage, and his guitarist goes from being a clown, like a messed up clown, to a demon, something like an orc. You know, and mm-hmm. that was really cool. But the like Halloween is coming vibe was so strong at the concert. It got me thinking, and we were talking in the car later about, you know, the Halloween magic and how you would wear masks to scare off the demons and kind of push the veil back, you know, and not mm-hmm. allow the spirits in right. and to infiltrate and such. And that's how this concert felt. That magic was so present. And another thing was this is my first midwestern metal concert Mm -hmm. and it was such a unique experience compared to everything i ever did in massachusetts there were full families here Mm -hmm. from grandparents to toddlers i mean when we went to hairball we were the only people with kids there yeah but this was full generational enjoyment and i guess that's to be expected with alice cooper Definitely. She spans the decades, but man, it was so cool. It was really special. It was. I was so so glad that we had the opportunity to do that. Yeah, and the crowd was loud and fun, but tame and respectful of neighbors, Mm -hmm. you know? That was sweet. And the mosh pit was fucking wild. Mosh pit was wild, for sure. Yeah, all around a great scene. So we got a lot of energy out that night. Caught up on podcasting 2.0 in the drive there and back. Oh, that was a fantastic so, show. That was great. I've got more. That energy was on point. I'm more to talk about in the uh, shit stain about that. Yeah. Um, and then Saturday, we ha- had to wake up very early. Oh, man. Which was tough after that show. And to peel our asses out of bed. It was harder to, to get the kids out of bed than for us to get out of bed. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they were like sleeping like rocks. Uh, yeah, up to Gramps' funeral Yeah, on Saturday, which was touching in every way. I mean, I, first of all, I haven't been to a, a military, full military honors funeral before, and he did get the full, like, 21-gun salute and taps and everything, and taps took over. So as a tribesman in Mikasay, growing up in Scouts, we had this honored camping program unique to this area called the Tribe of Mikasay. It was started by former Kansas City Mayor H.R.O. Bartle at the Bartle Scout Reservation. And so tribesmen, once you're in the tribe, like every uh, night at summer camp, Taps plays at 10 and it's lights out, right? And you're supposed to maintain like no noise after that, pretty much, you know? Like you're supposed to talk softly if you're talking at all. Everyone's supposed to be in bed after Taps. But Taps is a time for tribesmen to like reflect and pray and look inward, right? Sure. And so as Taps begins, uh, tribesmen all drop to their right knee and put their claws over their heart that they wear. So I <laughs> I haven't been down to camp in maybe a decade, and uh, probably longer, actually. Maybe one summer, but definitely not at night for over a decade. But man, right when the first note of Taps hit, I was like on my knee. I just was down on my knee, and I was like, oh, Jesus. I forgot all about this. Uh, they... 
when we shuffled out of the church, you know, it was obviously the same church they went to. So it was the same church that we went to my grandmother's funeral at mm-hmm. in, uh, earlier this year. And so when we filed out of the church and entered a funeral procession to drive to the cemetery, I was thinking, you know, we didn't do this when, when it was grandma's turn yeah. last time. And it's like, now we're in a funeral procession. And you said, well, maybe they're both buried together. Yeah. And you end up being right, which was so picturesque. Yeah. It was like the correct way to do it, 100%. Because they had both of the urns side by side there. And they were uh, put to rest at the same time. Like, if they could erode it, that's how they would erode it. So that part was really special, I thought. Yeah, definitely. All because two people fell in love. They had that up in their basement. Mm-hmm. With all the generations kind of pictured. Yep. Yeah, so that was really nice, and uh, Phoenix and Phone Boy had flowers sent to the to the church too, which was really touching and sweet. We appreciated that. Yeah, they were beautiful. Thank you guys. Um, everybody just pretty much remarked <laughs> how awesome our kids are. Yeah, yeah, because that's how it goes. The pastor remembered us from last time, and she was like, "Oh, good, it's you guys." <laughs> you know, I I can't imagine a pastor's think like. When they see a big family When, like, four kids show up and they're like, oh, I'm not going to get through my shit, you know? Uh, Yeah. Expect lots of sounds and fidgeting. Mm Mm-hmm. But, no, they did just as great as before. Mm Mm-hmm. Did not act. Rayla said the night before, I don't know how to be strong, but I want to be strong for Dad. (laughs) Like, she said she didn't want to cry this time. And I was like, it's okay to cry, you know? She did, though. She didn't. uh, She was strong. Yeah. She wasn't blubbering like she did at your grandma's funeral. Grandma's was tougher. It was tough, for sure. Um, Yeah. All the kids did great, of course. And we finally got to see my cousin's house. (laughs) Yeah. He's got a beautiful place. Mm Mm-hmm. Huge. And, uh, yeah, that was a day. That was a whole day. We didn't bring a change of clothes to go over to his house after, so we ended up going to the thrift store for a whole new wardrobe for everybody. Which really worked out. Yeah. Well, I should Thrift say, magic. I should not say a wardrobe, but an outfit, right? Everybody got an outfit. Uh, and we found a pink leather jacket for the four-year-old. Yeah, that one. With jewels on it. Pretty, it's badass. It was pretty baller. <laughs> pink leather jacket, man. Who's better than you with a pink leather jacket on? At four years old. I mean, come on. That was my dream. <laughs> <laughs> And it manifested for my child. Uh, and then Sunday was another cycle of life because I presided over a marriage for the That's first right. time. As a, what's your title? A Dudist priest with the Church of the Latter-day Dude. The Church of the Latter-day Dude. That's right. Yeah, that was wonderful. Uh, they said they didn't want a ceremony, right? Yeah. And I've been texting with my buddy for like a few weeks because it was only... I don't know, maybe three weeks max ago, he hit me up and was like, do you know anybody who does wedding ceremonies? And I was like, yeah, my buddy, the Rev, the Rev Cybertrucker, Fantasy Weddings. He'll do your wedding. And he was like, well, does anybody do it for free? And I was like, eh, you know, it's it's tough already to schedule the Rev because he has a very tight schedule. And I was like, I'm not going to go make the Rev do one for free. And I was like, you know, let me just look into getting a ordained real quick. I can... Jump through the hoops, get the paperwork, I'll do it. I'll do it for free. It's something you've been talking about for a long time. I've been thinking about the just ordained as something, being a reverend. And 
this uh, dudeism thing, I got one of their honorary degrees like two or three years ago, an honorary PhD in memetics. Being a Mimi boy, I figured it was a natural fit. So Abide University, that's where I, that's where I have my only degree nice. from higher education. It's an honorary degree from them. Truly and, higher uh, education. The highest possible <laughs> education uh, that I know of. And uh, so <laughs> anyway, I got ordained, got my letter of good standing, and they were saying no ceremony. And so I was like, well, you know. I was texting and I, I just didn't want to text. What do you mean by no ceremony? Can I say a few words or this or that? Like, I was like, you know what? I need to, to like have a conversation here. So on Wednesday, on uh, Wednesday night, I went up there, talked to them in person and just kind of just be like, Hey, you know, like I'm ordained. I have a certain, I like, I do have certain responsibilities. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a very laid back doctrine, uh, open to much interpretation basically comes down to don't be a dick, but because I don't want to be a dick, I want to do things right. Like, this meant a lot to me. This was important to me. I didn't just take it lightly. It's not like a joke to me. And even though there is humor involved, right, and a dudist priest and dudism and all this, like, there's humor involved, but I, like, it also is serious to me. And so, I was, you know, I wanted to know why they were getting married and, um, like, I was overjoyed because it's about time. They've been together for ages. They have... Uh, a daughter together who's uh, just a little older than our oldest. And so it was kind of one of those high time things. But, you know, they've been going back to church at a little church near them. And so it was just kind of like something that they really felt strongly called to do is to finally like officially get married. And their reasons for waiting were the same as our reasons for waiting. Like they didn't really take the institution of marriage seriously. And uh, how... How can we, how can our generation take the institution of marriage seriously? Uh, our attitudes both were like, I don't care what the government says my m marital status is or, you know, like who I'm in love with or any of that. Like that's between me and God and you, right? Like that's right. between us. Uh, but they felt compelled to actually, they, they started exploring it and we're like, well, if it is between God and us, like we need to make the ritual happen we need to do the like we need to get married yeah we have to make our promises before god and i said you know as my part as a reverend like i'm here to solemnize this and make it official and by law we need two witnesses and so i have to officiate a wedding and two witnesses have to witness a wedding so it's not like we can just sign a piece of paper and that's it like the signing of the piece of paper says that I did a wedding and that two people witnessed it. So we have to like do something. We have to say something. So I was like, how, how do you feel writing vows? And they thought that was a good idea. And they were like, we'll write vows for each other. That's cool. I said, all right, you write some vows. I'll come up with something to say. It'll be real simple. It won't be like anything crazy, you know, no music and standing and sitting and reading and all this different stuff. Like I'll just have something to say and then I'll let you guys say your thing and then I'll end the thing. So it was all, really important to me and special. And I think that it's, it's one of those opportunities we have and the decentralized music thing is the same way. And this show is the same way. Like everything that we're doing right now in our lives, homeschooling is the same way. Throwing chickens under our porch is the same way. We're trying to reinvent how this shit called life is supposed to go. We're trying to, because the, 
the old, old, old traditions got lost somehow along the way before we were born. Yeah. You know, th- that stuff is gone. There are some kind of medium age traditions that were all corrupted or dying out. And the institution of marriage, I even said in, in my address that I gave or whatever, like my first sermon, I don't know what you call it, in the wedding oh. ceremony, I said, you know, we don't really have a blueprint for what a wedding is supposed to look like because what do we have? I mean, we turn to the scripture. I looked through for wedding and marriage and you know, there's no ceremonial wedding really described. Most of the references to wedding in the Bible are either to uh, references to wedding gifts or wedding songs that were sang or that were given. There's a parable Jesus does about the wedding banquet, uh, which is just a wild parable. King is throwing a wedding for his son and uh, so he sends out for his servants to be the attendants to this wedding. And his servants like blow him off and go oh. into town and just goof around. And so he gets pissed and he sends more servants after those servants, right? And so those servants quarrel with the original servants and end up like getting killed. Uh oh. And then he sends more people out to kill the murderers and just wipe everybody out. And it, like it, it escalates, okay? The parable is like way out of control already. And so then after that, he just rounds people up. He just like says, all right, just go get people off the street. Just tell everybody, come in here and be at this wedding. <laughs> and they do. And then as he's going through the banquet hall, like there's some uh, old hairy naked dude <laughs> among the, amongst the crowd. And he's basically like, who let this guy in here? How the hell did you get in here? Get him out. And so they like tie him up and throw him out of the place. Oh. And then like all the peril ends with the moral of the story thing of... Uh, the line is, I want to say like many are invited, but few uh, make the cut or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just like, it's one of the weirdest parables ever. And I said, it's so weird that the very next passage is where the Pharisees start tax, uh, asking Jesus about taxes. It's almost like they took the advantage of the dumbfounded silence that surely must have followed a story like that, where everybody's looking at each other like, what does that mean? Like, do you go to a wedding naked? What is this deal? What What is he talking about? Yeah. And then the Pharisees are like, hey, so do you pay taxes, man? Like, uh, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And fuck. they're trying to like trap him into mind tricks. Ugh, fucking Pharisees. And I'm like, how is this helpful? Wait, hold on. We're trying to plan a wedding. It's very unhelpful. <laughs> so uh, like scr- scripture is generally unhelpful for planning a wedding ceremony. Uh, and of course there's big wedding. Then there's big wedding that wants you to hit five figures. And I put that in my speech. I cited like the average American wedding in 2021. I caught, I think it costs like eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars $19,000. Yeah. The and, median was like 17,000. And I think the average was 27,000. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. The average <laughs> was, was like 27,000, but we all know in statistics, like, yeah, the big numbers at the top skew the average up. So mm-hmm. you have to look at the median. Same with like household income and things like that. But even the median is like seventeen thousand. Yeah, and pretty it's much wild. if you don't hit that tw- that five figure number, people are like, "Oh yeah, well you didn't really have a real wedding, you know." Uh, which is wedding magic's all up to you. Like I'm not saying you're an asshole if you do have a big wedding and spend money, but. Th- that shouldn't be the focus. And culturally, culturally, it's become the focus. It's become like what people are worried about. Right. Well, the money spent does not mean that it's a loving relationship. 
Correct. It doesn't correlate directly to the value of the relationship. And that's why I said you cannot measure your love in dollars. Thank God. Mm-hmm. I said, we got it married for like 80 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I said, uh, so that's out. We can't look to culture. We can't look to anybody in our lives. Like our parents, you know, didn't really show us the way of like what a great marriage should look like. Yeah. Many divorces. Our, our generation was surrounded by divorce. It was the, it was the norm. It was the rule, not the exception. Yeah. Or absent parents. Even if you made it uh, through high school with your parents still married like I did, like on a long enough timeline, most of those dissolved. And so my conclusion is like, it's up to us. It's up to us to rewrite this thing. It's up to us to change how this works, what this looks like, so that we can be proud to show our kids how it's done. So that we can say, hey, do it like this because this works. You know, we got to find what works. Um. So I don't know. I put a lot of uh, thought and heart into it because it was important to me. I felt like it was my chance, even though it was just, you know, I mean, there was five, six people there. And four of them were your kids. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, you're talking both sides, me and the kids. Yeah. It was like me, the two getting married, and then four other adults, right? Yep. uh, Yep. Four other adults. So, you know, it's not like I'm... uh, spreading this word to the masses or anything, but I just felt like it was this little spiritual part or a little spiritual stamp where I could say, you know what, we need to move this in a different direction, in a right direction. Yeah. Well, what you wrote was really beautiful and there wasn't a dry eye there. (laughs) It was, uh, I, I choked up when I was practice reading it. So thankfully I wrote, I read through it like three times because I just knew that a lot of that stuff was just, close to home to me yeah and then i knew it would be to him too because we grew up together and um we've got you know we've been through similar situations and similar family situations too so i mean all of us have in this generation that this is kind of the similar thing and so of course we're skeptical and cynical and uh you know hopefully that skepticism and that cynicism means that when we do fell feel this compelling need to get married it comes from somewhere inside spiritually instead of some kind of outside pressure saying, Oh, you need to do this to satisfy, you know, how things look. Um, that's the beauty about this marriage. And I think our marriage too is like, it has zero to do with how it looked, you know, it looked pretty cheese ball. Um, Oh, ours especially. Yeah. But it it had to do with, I didn't even wear white. I wore purple. It had to do with our promises, (laughs) you know, and, making those promises in front of people who could hold you accountable to them down the road. Not just something like you say in private to each other, like pillow talk, like, Hey, I love you. I'm love you forever. But saying that in front of the people that you care about saying, Hey, this person I'm going to stick with forever till I'm dead. And if you see us not together, well, that's because one of us is dead. And that's, that's what it comes down to. That's what it's supposed to be all about. And that's been just like thrown out the window. And that's what we want back. So I don't know. It was very important to me. Yeah, it was special. And it was nice having the cycle over the weekend of death and then like new life, basically. Totally. Yeah, it, it's it's wild. And speaking of all that love, our 12th anniversary is this Sunday. Yes, it is. 12 years of good times. <laughs> good times <laughs> and great oldies. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, no doubt. 
uh, my dudist supplies came the next day. Oh, and it's so cool. So now you're a card-carrying dudist they priest. Gave, gave me an ID card. Gave dude an ID card. Dude's got a beeper. No, I didn't get a beeper. But uh, <laughs> The patch. A couple patches, but the one that's like a circle patch, their logo, it kicks the fucking ass. It's it's a big yin-yang, but there's three dots instead of one dot for the three holes the, in a bowling ball. Yeah, exactly. It's a bowling ball yin-yang. It's, it's and like it's a, in a religion that was made for this show. Definitely. And it was like the show was made for those like And the colors are like lavender and seaweed green. So it's still purple and green. Just wild. It really resonates with me in a lot of levels. So yeah. I had no problem signing up because I was like, oh, this is already kind of my style. It's already kind of my style. So uh And your style is value. Exactly. Thank God. Thank God for the value and the value the bowlers bring week after week, bowl after bowl. We like to thank them up front for these contributions. Uh, right when we get done with letting you know what's been going on, and these things have been a little longer than average the last two shows. But now with chapters, I don't have to feel bad about that. You can skip around right where you want. If you don't have time for any certain segments or you always roll your eyes when you hear a certain one, well, hell, you can skip right around. You skip right around to a different chapter. And uh, now we have segmented bowls for your listening pleasure. Just trying to make this more accessible uh, to to bowlers of different types and styles, you know? Not all bowlers listen the same. Me, I'm a sucker for a three-hour handcast where people just go on and on. That's what my preferred format is. Same. But, but not everybody is like that, you know? And I'm cognizant of that. And uh, I love you enough to put chapters in the thing. How about that? We're upping the value out. That's right. Just adding new features. This happens to be one of the oldest features in podcasting 2.0. So I'm also uh, sheepishly adding them uh, this late, you know, like <laughs> should have been on it. Been eh. talking about it for quite a long time. So it just took me doing it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> now, if you could just rewrite the website, oh, we'd, yeah. be in, we'd be in business. Well, hey, maybe I'll be more confident after I rewrite the or just write the website I'm working on. There you go. Uh Many ways to contribute value. So what do we need, mean by this value word? Well, we're a value for value production. We learned from those that came before us. And uh, Adam and John over at No Agenda Show really pioneered what this thing looks like. The idea is this. There's content that we put out there week after week, bowl after bowl, with no paywall, with no ad reads, with no strings attached, no corporate interests, no uh, men moving in dimly lit halls. Deciding deciding your future, deciding your content, deciding what's okay to say and what not to say. Uh, no, none of that. It's just us and y'all. And that's it. That's where it starts and stops. It's us and y'all, all in the same bowl. And we just ask, if you get any value out of this, return that value in some way. The way that we start uh, reading off is some PayPal donations, and some Boostergrams, which you just heard a big bad Boostergram come in. The sound of those pins getting knocked all to hell. There's the sound of a live Boostergram, a real live lightning payment of Bitcoin hitting the node we run ourselves in real time. Uh, check in the PayPal. We did get some things in here. We did get some things oh. in. I also just want to mention, if you're listening right now, then it means you're getting value out of the show. Because if it's not valuable to you, you would have turned it off. That's the logic. I hope. I guess there's hate listens. That's the logic. If you hate listen, then... Uh, you can also know. boost. <laughs> yeah, you can boost your hate. 
yeah. directly to the node and it will be received. Uh, <laughs> so let's see. Last Friday, uh, we had Circus Media's monthly payment come in, 11-11. Oh, thank you, Circus Media. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, and then another monthly came in yesterday on Monday. That's Sharky Shark. Bana, bana. Thank you, Sharky. That's right. You know him as Sir Deutschbag over on No Agenda Social. Uh, also a Sharky Shark. So cheers to you, fellas. We appreciate those monthlies because they keep the bills paid. Sometimes I go, oh God, is the, is the Linode payment good? And I look at the PayPal and man, those monthlies keep us above that, uh, keep us in the black, let's say. So we really appreciate all of those. Well, it's you- also great to know that uh, producers are getting continued value. Yeah, the show. absolutely. They're not canceling their subscription like, well, it used to be good, now it sucks. Yeah, which nope. we try to add more value as time goes on, not take value out. Definitely. But um, that's the real way to let us know if it's working. And you can join those monthly donors by hitting the big donate button at the bottom of any page of, pay- of uh, com. We also have the Boostergrams, which you heard slapping the pins. Uh, 1420 sats. Hey, wait, we have a jingle. Holy moly. Plus, if you haven't done a boost yet, you gotta just take off all your clothes and go to nudepodcastapps.com. Find yourself something value-enabled and send some sats. She wasn't wearing anything. Oh, man. Yeah, that's how you know she was at nudepodcastapps.com. I'm gonna boost some sats. I've got 40,000 in my wallet. I'm, I'm, I'm boosting value contribution. This is fucking awesome. Fucking awesome is Harv Hat, who boosts at the end of every show. He hit us with 1420 sats last week. Thank you, Harv Hat. Just like clockwork. Uh, then I've got several boosts for homegrown hits coming in. Homegrown hits. So that's great to see. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, definitely check that out. I know we mentioned it before, but Thursday nights, 7 Central. On the Bull After Bull stream. Bull After Bull stream. Stream.bullafterbull.com. Uh, scrolling along here, we did have a boost from Mere Mortals podcast. That's our buddy Kyron. Kyron. Kyron Down Under. Kyron Down Under. Uh, he was boosting from Fountain. He boosted 2222. That's four ducks in a row right there. Quack, 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 quack. And uh, he says, boosting for chapters. I find them invaluable. Well, I did uh, have you in mind also when I added them, Kyron, because I know we've been talking about this for ages. And uh, anytime the word drops, he's there going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chapters when, you know? Chapters, yeah. Because I know that (laughs) he's mentioned before, you know, our show is very long and and it's very varied. You know, not all the topics are for everybody. Uh, the hardcore bowlers like all of that, and they're like us, you know? They're jacks of all trades, and, and they like to have a, a big chunk of variety. But some people are just here for one thing, and it's like, oh, I gotta scroll through, I gotta find where it's at, where it starts, I'm skipping here, I'm skipping there. Now you don't have to guess. It's all laid out with a nice big picture and a title and a timestamp, and you just hit that little play button next to the chapter that you want to hear. Beautiful. Gotta love it. Uh, let's see some more homegrown hits. This is going to be really fun. So this is where filtering in Boostagram, uh, or excuse me, filtering in Helipad is going to be a really big hit once it, once it gets, uh, brought to fruition. Yes. And, uh, for transparency, I put your node 
in as a 1% split so that I could have the boost bot in the chat. Gotcha. Yeah. That's the only reason why you're seeing those boosts. I see. Because I have my helipad pulled up during the show, but... Gotta have a little monitoring split. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, 3333 came in to the bowl after bowl split. From Bowley Steed out of Fountain, who said, Hey, Citizen Spectrum Girl, do Devo. I love it. So Devo. Oh, so Devo. Yeah, she corrected it on uh, mk.spook.spoosh. I social. see. I just read what I read. <laughs> you just do the reading, I, I know. <laughs> it's like Ron Burgundy, you know, if you put the question mark in the uh, teleprompter, I'll read it. And the helipad is my teleprompter. I did see a uh, boost here from Mutton Meat and Music, uh-huh. which is... Uh, the Baron of Rotterdam's new music show that he's been doing. And so he played stay a while on the second edition. And so the tone wrecker boosted his mutton meat and music show saying, Sir Spencer putting in the education hours for the cause respect. And I respect you. Appreciate you tone wrecker. Nice. Thanks tone wrecker. So tone wrecker has been really on the front lines of publishing some, uh, value for value music. Yes. Uh, on all kinds of platforms and just getting in there and learning how it's done in different ways. Uh, he's been, he's a good musician too. It's very cool. Very cool to see. By the way, he's boosting at a fountain there. Uh, I did get a thousand sat boost from John Seibert. This is coming in from Ellen Beats and to the album and song, Stay a While. Nice. Title track there. So that was cool. And I am seeing a lot more boosts directly to the album as well. So I, that's, it's very cool that that's picking back up because if you think about this, this is the whole point. This is one of the biggest points and the biggest cells and the biggest pulls for me when I was getting into the decentralized music in the first place. When Abel, you know, reached out to me and said, Do you want to help me do this project? And we started doing Abelcraft. I said, This is a great tool for listeners to have because. For me, it's for me. It always goes back to "Animals" by Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. my favorite album, and the one that probably impacted me the most throughout my whole life as a whole. Right? There's been other albums that might have had more direct impact at certain times and certain slices of my life, but overall, still, you can throw that album on, and I'm in a certain spot, right? And I'm still getting tremendous value out of that. And what can I do about that? What can I do to send Pink Floyd? a boost, you know, you can't, I bought the, actually I was given the CD by my, uh, to me by my dad who burnt it for me. Oof. (laughs) I bought vinyls of all that shit at secondhand stores. Yeah. Thrift scores. And you know, I'd be very happy to send a few boosts to Pink Floyd. And so that was kind of the, the impetus too. It's like we, we put the album out and then you can just boost it forever so you can come back years later and say hey i'm getting value now or maybe people haven't even heard our album until now all these music shows are coming online and people are starting to play it and kind of tell our story a little bit people are finding out now and it's still boostable and so i'm seeing more value come in for this album that we published uh coming up on the second anniversary wow yeah um and it's still you know going strong we didn't have to do anything extra we haven't done any work on the album, aside from I think I added GUIDs to it and kind of broke the feed and then <laughs> fixed the feed at some point in the last year and a half. But other than that, like we we put it out and now it's out. Our work is done. 
but it can still be enjoyed and it can still receive value in perpetuity. Yeah, and I as an artist still receive 10% when someone boosts stay a while. That's I right. I see them coming, it's so exciting. Yeah, so it's it's really the path forward to fixing all of the broken and gross things about the music industry. Yeah, I hope I explained it well on Homegrown Hits, too. You, I tried to say you guys made the use case, but I also was uh, juggling the split kit. There's and, a lot going on. I think uh, you did a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah, I was hoping it came out okay. I, <laughs> So, you know, I mean, history is a foggy thing, but I think that really for our purposes uh, and what we had said on Abelcraft, in fact, if you listen to episode one of Abelcraft, we talk about the feeds you could have found then with music in them. Uh, That was before there was any medium music tag. uh, And there were a few, there were a few feeds that just happened to have albums on them. Uh, And as far as I know, Dave put the first one together with Torque on Seven, with his son's band. Uh, and then what, what our technical first was we, we came and wrote an album from the very beginning. So we wanted to demonstrate the entire album writing and release process with RSS in mind and exclusively on RSS. That album has not been released any other way. It's only for RSS and it's only for decentralized music. And so we really wanted to demonstrate the use case of, look, here's how you can sit down in a business sense and do a DIY business agreement with all of the involved parties. And, you know, Abel was the guy in charge of getting everybody together and determining what the splits and the money would be. And he paid certain people in a one-time cash payment who who didn't have wallets. That's right. He gave the artists the option. He told everybody, you know, you're going to want to build a node or, you know, get some kind of wallet going. And some people said, yeah, that's cool. Some people said, nah, I'd rather take the cash. So he paid some people in cash one time. And uh, who knows? I think on a long enough timeline, it would have been better to get a split for sure. But this is the this is the thing we were trying to demonstrate. We were saying, hey, artists, you can actually conduct your own business directly with the people making your fucking art. You don't need to call some kind of uh, slick guy in a suit who then calls radio stations and, and record labels and other people on your behalf and you know, says, oh, you got to show up to this party and talk to this guy and be friends with him. Oh, you got to go down to this gathering and schmooze with this lady. I know she's kind of mean, but you got to be your friend. Uh, You don't have to do any of that gross shit. Right. You just mess with who you want to mess with, and your audience can directly interact with you. And that's it. You don't have to do any extra crap that you don't want to do. You don't have to compromise in your artistic vision. You don't have to compromise your soul. You don't have to do any of that gross shit. Yeah. Give up your potential uh, profits. Yeah. But really the connection with the producers, the people who are enjoying it and the love notes that they write to you, that's where it really hits me. Yes. You can see what people are saying as they boost. And, uh, you know, all artists know what that's like. To hear from your audience, that's really value in and of itself. Uh, back to the boost. Sorry, I'm getting a little sidetracked, but it's important. It's important. Uh, 3333 coming in from Dame Trail Chicken. Oh, baka baka. Baka bagak. And she says, I'm a supporter of human beings. Bing, 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 bing. Or as we say, bings. I'm a supporter of human beings. Bing, 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 bings. Bings. Uh, yes. She was boosting episode 269 out of Fountain. 
Thank you, Dame Trail Chicken. Also a boost to uh, Stay A While Reprise, the last song on Stay A While mm. from Sir TJ the Wrathful. That was 3333 in the boost there. All he right. said, I really love this vibe. Thank you for your courage. It is, I thought, Abel was brilliant for coming up with that album ending. It's, it's just a reprise of the song. It's Stay A While, but it's delivered slightly differently, a lower tempo, smoother. Still gives me the opportunity to lay some drums down, but it's not like up in your face. It really sets the, it's a really great send off. Yes. That's a good word for, I was going to say closing, but send off is a better term. Uh, next up, 3333 sets uh, from, I'm going to try it, Oystenberg, mm, which is Sir Baron, uh, the Baron of Rotterdam. Of course, out of Curiocaster, as we all know. Uh, appreciate you, man. Thank you for the boost. Uh, twenty-two, twenty-two sets. Yet again, it's the Mere Mortals oh, podcast. I didn't say thank you to the Baron. Thank you. Thank you, Baron. <laughs> uh, Mere Mortals with Kyron. He's boosting us two hours ago. Row of four ducks. Oh, Kyron coming in again. He said pre-boosting for your awesome work with the chapters. He's really loving the chapters. Yeah. Uh, was was really the only thing stopping me from listening regularly as I like to skip around. <laughs> there we go. How was your music show going, Lorian? Oh, it's fantastic, Kyron. Thank you for asking. Homegrown hits. Kyron, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central. There you go. Kyron has actually been doing uh, his Value for Value podcast live on Tuesday nights as well. So he's kind of pushing his show out and usually doing post-show production stuff right around the time we're getting going. That's right. So another Tuesday, buddy. We love to have you here. And I'm glad, I'm so glad that uh, there's this use case out there for people who just want to skip and hop around. And, you know, I understand I, I understand better than most people that you don't have the bandwidth. Like, if I could listen to all the shows my friends do every week, like religiously, because I want to. Yeah. If I could write my own script, that that would be a part of it, is that I just, I hear all of them every week. But I can't. It's impossible. Yeah. It's too much content. Uh, it's the, it's a fantastic problem to have, by the way. It makes our network valuable. Definitely. But yeah. chapters really aid in being able to get what you value out of this kind of haystack that we present. Chapters is how we show that we respect your time. <laughs> exactly. We want to be respectful of your time. Uh, so thank you, Kyron. Yeah, you're, thank you. You're the greatest. 6969 coming in. I love that number. Oh. 6969, dudes. That's from Hey Citizen. Hey Citizen. Thank you, Citizen. <laughs> must have seen us uh, go live because it was right around that time uh, on Podverse. And yes, sure enough, right after that, Harv Hat 4269 out of Podcast Index. Nice. Thank you again, Harv Hat. And. Uh, that must have been the pinging of the pod. When we send the bat signal out, Harfat always hits us with that 4269. Uh, but we just tell the world that we're here. It's lit. That's what that means. Light it up. Right. It's called a new live son of a bitch for a reason. Right? This is a new live son of a bitch. Uh, a thousand sats next from East Side Tony. Hey. One case uh, a day keeps the doctor away. He's boosting from Podverse. He says, go podcasting. I said go podcasting, but it sounded like goat. Because I caught myself there. Excuse me. <laughs> go podcasting. Defend the network. Hell yeah. He's been doing a lot of stuff with his defend the network. 
Yeah, and eventually he's going to boost and excoriate you about why you don't have uh, bong hits in the hood on your isoport. hits in the hood. For Eastside Tony. That's right. Uh, 22-22 next up from Bully Steed. She's got a row of ducks here. Bully Steed. It was a helipad teast out of fountain. Nice. Thank you, Bully. test came in and it smashed some pins. Uh... 1976 sets from Dirty Jersey Whore, also out of Fountain. Oh, thank you, DJW. He said, testing the pins, y'all be good. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't quite hear him in the pre-show. You know how... Because I just got stoned and I missed it. You know how bad we would be if uh, Dirty Jersey Whore wasn't here, reminding us to be good? Mm. He's so bad. That's why we love Dirty Jersey Whore. He keeps us good. 11, right. 11, 11 coming in next up from Mere Mortals Podcast. Kyron, can't keep away. These chapters are working. Wow. I love it. Uh, he's boosting out a fountain. He said, I gave your DMU GitHub a shout out on the latest V for V episode as well. Oh, thank nice. you, sir. I appreciate that. Yes, I've got a tutorial RSS feed because people often ask me, hey, how did you do that hand hack uh, RSS feed stuff? And then I start to talk about it into a microphone. Uh, and you, not only does it make absolutely no fucking sense, but you also can't copy and paste what I'm saying right now. Even if we had transcripts, that's what CSB asked me when I posted about putting chapters in. Uh, on transcript? <laughs> you have added transcript? Uh, it's on the to-do list, right? I said soon. Yeah, I, t- I told him soon. Because soon is a relative term, you know? Definitely. Soon means it's coming. Shit, I'm doing everything soon. Uh, thank you, Kyron. I'm, I'm glad that, uh. That's helping, and soon I'm going to be laying down some instructional videos so that people can actually watch and listen as I explain how to do the whole process. So I'm just going to start, like, I'll have an overview video as the first one that I'm going to lay down, but I want videos for the whole process, how you get everybody together as artists and, uh, you know, get everybody at the table and decide who's going to make what, how you take that DMU feed and make it your own take the template and put your own stuff into it, how you get a web host that will work with this thing, how you upload your songs and your files and your images and make it all work, how you submit it to the podcast index, even how you add to the feed later. Maybe you need to update the value split. Maybe you need to add a song where there wasn't a song before. Maybe you need to do something. I don't know. There's always, uh, Ooh, how do I change my feed? And then people, resubmit to the index and they got multiple feeds and everything's just a big mess. So I want a nice video series, visually appealing with nice, you know, written out instructions of how to do it. I want to keep it nice and tight. So that's why it's taking me a little bit longer. Cause I want it done right. Um, the first time those are coming out. Yeah. The first time I'd like, yeah. I'd like, you know, can't have everything, but you know, try, I try, I really try. So this one I've, I've got the copy written out and, uh, I'm just working on putting together the, visual um kind of slideshows that are going to be part of it but yes that should be coming soon so um hopefully you'll be pimping those as well i'll definitely be uh sending them to you i'll make sure to tag you in them when i push them out uh 33 33 sats next up that's our boy tj the wrathful oh thank you sir tj the wrathful he's uh wrathfully boosting out of podverse and he says thanking spencer for backing me up in that v for v telegram chat (laughs) Lorian, congrats on the new music show, In the Bowl. Oh, In the Bowl. Thank hey, you. if you are going into a flame war on Telegram and you need a uh, a spotter, I'll spot you. 
I'm all about the tele- uh, Telegram flame wars. <laughs> I could show you screen caps, man. You need like a wolf flame war jingle. Going into a value flame war, the wolf has got your back. <laughs> oh, fuck. He's in this Telegram group too? God damn it. How do you find this one? <laughs> Uh, I I know people think that about me because I think that about certain people. <laughs> so that's just how the universe works. Like, oh yeah. If I Projection. have this, if I have this projected thought of someone else, then I know that somebody's thinking the same thing about me. So it's a me. It keeps me honest. But yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, biting your tongue is not really anatomically easy for a wolf to do. Let's say. Yeah. 1,420 sets coming in from the great Sir Reverend Cyber Trucker, y'all. Oh, thank you, Rev. He's boosting from Fountain. He said, sats, LGY. Yay! Yay! Uh, he did it again. 1,420 sats from Fountain. He said, happy anniversary. Oh, thanks, Rev. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, he said he was laying down and not sure how long he would stay conscious, but we know that uh, he's out there and... We have love for the Rev. We appreciate him. Brings us the metal moment week after week. Bowl after bowl. Among other things. Always just uh, figuring out how he can get in and give value, which we just love about the guy. Miss you. I want to hang out with you. Yeah. It's been since the uh, been since the hairball concert since I've seen the Rev. So, uh, yeah, if you're if you're swinging through, let us know. I know <laughs> we, we just missed him last time. He had another call. Yeah, there was a missed connection there. But... Uh, Always, so we owe him one. <laughs> always appreciate the rev. Uh, and then last in my queue, but certainly not least, we got 2730. 2730 sats from Memes Leet. Oh, thank you, Memes. Memes Elite. Uh, he says, Leet boosting the split. Dream death, a drop bear fell on me from a tree. In a panic to get it off, I ran, bounced off a tree, and down a cliff face. Drop bear ejected from my head like a fighter pilot as we fell as we free fell to doom. Ooh. Instantly met by the death from Discworld on the edge of a desert. Next to me, the drop bear said, well, fuck that up. Let's go, loser. <laughs> <laughs> he took my hand and we headed out into the desert. Oh, Great dream. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Don't let your memes be dreams, memes elite. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Uh, and that's all of our boosters thus far. Although, like we said, this is a new live son of a bitch, so you can live react or, you know, in the chapter you happen to listen to, you can boost in. That's right. It'll be a boost war of the chapters. And, of course, there's other ways to contribute value to Bowl After Bowl. You can make art for the episodes because each episode features new art. You could even make some chapter art now because it would be fun to mix those up. Just saying. Just saying. You can make jingles like the Hey Citizen one that you heard earlier. Um, simplest of all, you can pass the bowl to someone you think will enjoy it. That's incredibly valuable. When there's a new bowler around, that's awesome. You can hop in the chat and type ISO if something funny gets said for a potential cold open or, you know, to use on your own podcast or whatever. And, of course, there's always the voicemail line. Every week we have a first time I ever topic, and this week we want to hear about the first time you ever died in a dream. All you have to do is pick up your phone and... Call 816-607-3663 and 
That's right. We don't screen the voicemails. We just play them. And we accept text messages, too, and picture messages. So if you're voice shy or in a dead zone, text in your tail. Absolutely. It's the thing to do. Uh, now, because we got chapters, we're going to start a new chapter, and it's called... Ah, uh, yeah, making me really want to build a node. Because if you build a node, it's your own bank and payment processor just running on some computer. It's in your house. Simple as. That's all. You don't need an account. <laughs> you don't need an email. You don't need to log in. You don't need to ask anybody, hey, can I do this? Can I wait? Oh, yeah. Show us your ID and your birth certificate. Stamp your dick on this paper. Wait three days. Then we'll decide whether to shut you down or not down the road. No. No, 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 no. None of that, man. We're just doing the regular stuff here. Keeping it real. Keeping it lit. Uh, speaking of keeping it lit, Lavish just hit us with that uh, fountain. He hit us with a live boost. Two, three, four, five, six. Oh. Saying don't compromise your soul boost. Nice. Thank you, Lavish. Very much appreciated, man. Very much appreciated. I know that bigger boosts have been struggling in fountain. And uh, we talked to, to Oscar about getting a channel directly from fountain. He just said, you know, send me your node info. But the mempool, my man, it is just flooded. Mm. And it is there's no end in sight for this thing. Womp womp. Last week, I was rolling my eyes because it was like seven sats to minim, uh, minimum to get into that next block. Uh, earlier when I looked, it was at 33. Oh, of course it was. Now it's down hovering around 22. Yeah, that's not the, much better. Uh, for the minimum in the next block. Uh, and yeah... If you want to get in one of the next four blocks, you got to have at least 19 sets of, uh, per virtual byte. Mm. It's rough out there. It's rough out there. Who knows? Who knows what it's going to go back down? Usually the nights and the weekends are the best times, but opening channels is becoming a little bit expensive. Uh, also, I was working on getting some... You know, I had all those force closes recently. Of course. When we yeah. went on vacation. So uh, I was working on getting some liquidity back up. I'm got a lot of people reaching out to me about Rings of Fire. Nice. If you're interested in Ring of Fire, I'm interested in Ring of Fire too. I'm trying to get some stuff from Fountain going. Uh, so we'll have you know big beefy channels to and from them as part of a motivator to connect to our nodes. Uh, so I may have to wait this uh fee situation out i'm not 100 percent sure it's it's not really that huge of a deal right now but it's just like compared to normal if you're used to opening channels in like low fee environments you know one to five sats will get the job done overnight mm -hmm. then That's this new ideal. thing is like you know four to five times that yeah it's too much so you know it still ends up being if you denominate it in fiat it all is put into perspective so you can open it big a channel as you want for a dollar still really if you think about it but uh who's thinking in fiat though when you think about sats man you, you your perspective changes suddenly a dollar is like you're like wait you want over four thousand sats man you, you're talking about over four thousand sats i gotta give you man i don't know about that yeah i didn't find this transaction valuable at all i gotta think about that 
<laughs> I got to analyze that. Oh, man. Oh, man. There was a Casey Bitcoiners meetup tonight. Yeah. That, that how was attend. that? It's good. It's fine. Fun time. You go to the bar? I did. The bar in Mission. That's where it was. And uh, yeah, we talked a, a nice, good bear market conversation. In the bear market, people like to hypothesize how the blockchain could be attacked <laughs> uh. and like what it would take to bring down the network, you know? Mm. There was a little booberry boost there. Did you hear that? Mm, booble boost. 69.69, because of course it would be. Hey, oh. 69! 69, 69, dudes! Yay! He said, uh, oh, he linked to an Ellen Beats album. Another Ooh. night, another artist upload, forward slash me, checks notes, mm, six more to go. Hell yeah. Oh my goodness. This guy is a madman. By the way, Booberry has publicly thrown down the gauntlet. If you're an artist out there and you just uh, want m easy, if you're just like, oh, oh, it's too hard, it's too hard, there's nothing easier than talking to Booberry and just giving him your shit and saying, you have my permission to allow me to make money off of it. Simple. What he'll set it up for is he'll put it on his own server, host it for you, add the images that you give him, add the songs you give him, title it all, write the feed. He'll put 97% of the value going right back to you or however you designate it into your wallets of your choosing. And that other 3% is split up one to him one to Music Side Project, one to, who is it? Help me out, Booberry? I think it's a, a podcast index. But uh, that's easier than any of this easy shit you're pointing at saying, oh, this is easier. No, no, no. Talk to the Mothman. That's the easiest way. You have to literally send him stuff, and then you're done. Boost bot. Boost bot, that's it. Yeah, so Music Side Project, Boost bot. And Thunder Road, I'll get 1% each. So this makes perfect sense because Podcast Index is taken care of in all of the apps. The 1% to Booberry is to Thunder Road. The 1% to the Boost Bot is so that all of your boosts will show up in the Fediverse and, you know, places that you want them to show up. Mm -hmm. And I then 1% to Music Side Project, which he is using to publish these feeds. So it's a great deal. It's a great value proposition. Pretty much... Uh, just a, sh a sh little sliver of your value off to those guys just to get it done. And as far as Music Side Project, you should be giving them 1% if you're doing it yourself anyway, using that tool. Uh, I'm in there just like a freaking jungle lad typing it myself. So like, it's, it's hard to understand anything else, man. I'm easy to confuse. I'm just as easy to confuse as the next guy. It's just that I have a special brand of stupidity that just looking at the screen... With the RS, with the XML is what makes most sense to me. Those are your special needs. That's my special need is to look directly <laughs> at the feed. That's correct. And Booberry has a special need to single-handedly make sure Homegrown Hits never runs out of tunes. Yeah, absolutely. And for this, that, we thank him. This new album, by the way, that he sent me is Ethereal, which uh, the description here says, a unique blend of organic and electronic elements from these Form these three tracks, Shadowman, Apex, and Panacea. Nice. Oh, yeah, check it out. That's great stuff. Fantastic. And he is just uh, an onboarding machine. I really take my hat off to him. Um, I take my shirt and pants off to him. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Let me see what it looked like. Shake oh. it all around. <laughs> uh, yeah, Casey Bitcoiners. That was enjoyable talk. It's always a good time with those dudes. 
somebody asked me about drive chains. Mm. What do you think about drive chains? And I'm like, man, you know, the, the weird little niche I'm working in doesn't include Bitcoin Twitter. So I got no, no idea what a drive <laughs> yeah, chain is. I was just going to ask. I don't know. So now that's some more shit uh, that I got to look up. Like, I haven't had time to research a drive chain. So maybe next week's cocaine uh, will be on a drive chain. Mm. I don't know. Just the name alone makes me hate it already. Can I give you a one-sentence definition? Okay, sure. Drive chain allows Bitcoin to create, delete, send Bitcoin to, and receive Bitcoin from layer twos called side chains. Ah. Side chains are altcoins yeah. that lack a native coin. Instead, pre-existing coins from a different blockchain must first be sent over. It's like uh, liquid. I got that from drivechain.info. Oh, well, they got to know. They ought to know. It's like, it feels like quasi-shitcoining on Bitcoin. Yeah. But I don't know. I really don't know. It's just what it feels like. Yeah. I'm just saying what it feels like. What I like is this lightning layer where you just send actual provable Bitcoin. The sats on lightning are still Bitcoin. They're mm -hmm. provably sats. They're regular sats. You can just send them around faster because they're in a channel. Lightning fast. You don't have to say, oh, well, this is eCash, and we meant new eCash to be able to send to each other eCash to eCash, which <sighs> is provably privately, privately provable, uh, and then it's redeemable for, ah, oh, man, just give me the fucking Bitcoin. Just send your sats. Oh, my God. I don't know. Like, this stuff, it just makes me crazy. It, every time they try to make it more complicated, I'm like, mm, mm. You know, Terry A. Davis, he said it right. He said, an idiot is impressed by it being complicated. An idiot will think you're smart because you made it so complicated that nobody can understand. But what's truly beautiful is simplicity. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like this uh, Podcast 2.0 stuff and the decentralized music and even the Lightning Network because there is a simplicity to it. It just sounds like a bunch of on-chain, off-chain, cocaine shit stain when you first hear about it and you're sitting on the outside and you've never driven that car around. But once you get in there and see how it works and you've driven a couple of places, you're like, oh, goddamn, I get it. I get how this works. It's, it's not really that deep. It seems all shady and mysterious from the outside. But you get in, you drive around a little bit. Now this side chain extra coin, uh, liquid uh, super new mint, this coin represents that coin stuff. Poo-poo. Eh. Hey, hey, maybe that's real simple, too, and I just haven't driven that car yet, you know? But maybe I'm full of my own bullshit. Well, I just read you a sentence, and I can't tell you in my own words what I read you, so... It sounds a little bit busted. Yeah. But that's all. That's all. First impression. Yeah. We're kind of busy over here working on other things. <laughs> that's uh, how I you, feel. If you really gotta have that fucking drive chain, you can go fork yourself and see who plays along. That's all. <laughs> go fork yourself. Uh, what else? Oh, man, I can't, I, it would be a disservice for me not to mention the last podcasting 2.0 board meeting that was held on Friday. Oh, it was the board meeting of my dreams. Probably my favorite board meeting to date. Uh, not only did Dave Jones wish gonorrhea on people, <laughs> although he did revoke it, so it wasn't actually passed by the board you know it was just like yes. on the table and up for debate and we you know talked it out and then it ultimately was not passed so the the wish was not officially made it was 
it was floated and rebu- and revoked, not rebuked, but revoked. Yeah. Because, you know, it wasn't rebukable. It was like a completely uh, valid proposition. Bitcoin bros called out, not for the first time, but like for like a, for like a real time, you know? And it comes at the perfect time too, because I am also sick of it. I think I mentioned it last week where it was just, it's just like these guys are becoming walking memes of themselves who are just like espousing these, uh, these, uh, these wild philosophies that there's no way they actually believe the Mm. shit that comes out of their mouth, you know? And you can tell too, because it kind of just changes as the news cycles change. Oh yeah, let's regurgitate talking points. And like, ooh, my hot take. It's like I'm a I'm a hot take machine for Bitcoin Twitter. <laughs> now we've got red, blue, and orange. And it's like you know, <laughs> I like I really love and appreciate Bitcoin, and it's given me this sense that things will be all right, and that we can opt out of a lot of bullshit, and that we can make it right. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is special to me because it allows us to do that. I don't worship it as my fucking god. <laughs> it's not my new deity, right? Definitely not. Uh, and a lot of guys act like that's the deal. And it just gets weird when you talk that way, you know? Like, uh, Bitcoin's not your mom and dad, okay? Sorry if your mom and dad aren't the mom and dad you wanted, but Bitcoin isn't your mom and dad. Bitcoin cannot suck your dick. Bitcoin's not your girlfriend. Bitcoin's not your god. Bitcoin didn't create you. We created Bitcoin. People. People did that, okay? So just, like, chill out a little bit on the whole Bitcoin shit. Um, having said that, I love Bitcoin. It's fantastic. It's the, it's it's why we can not be slaves going on in the future. It's how we're going to save our asses, save our money. But it's not... Uh, <laughs> the code is not spiritual, man. You know? And your soul is not digital. Your soul is not a one and a zero, my man. Your soul is analog. Don't ever forget that your soul is analog. Um, wow. Wavelake called out in a big way, finally. Finally. Because we've been talking about this for a while. Uh, and every time I talk about Wavelake, I'm careful to make clear that Wavelake's not my enemy. Wavelake's not, um, you know, a step in the wrong direction, let's say. This is Wavelake. This is Wavelake right here. We all know what Wavelake is. It's a step in the right direction after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. <laughs> after all. Yeah. They've, they're almost there, right? They're An so embodiment fun. of that. It's like it's so close you can smell it. Uh, we, we, you get on Wave Lake and you are not being siphoned off where it's uh, the artist is allowed to keep you know 20% of what they make. You're allowed to keep 90% for crying out loud. And that's not lost on me, okay? I get that. I get that. But I have several problems with Wave Lake that I've had since I first opened my big fat fucking mouth about it, okay? And I did also keep shut, uh, keep my mouth shut for a long time about it. Yeah. I was trying to, you know, give them a little weight lake, a little benefit of the doubt, a little, hey, you know, this is some suggestions that you might want to implement Right away. Yeah, you're in their Telegram chat. Yeah. And selfishly, I just wanted to be able to get on Wave Lake 2, man. I just want to be on there too. That was my original motivation. Like, hey, I want my shit over there on Wave Lake 2. I mean, we wrote the first, we sat down, and we were the first person, we were the first people to write an album saying this album is being written from the beginning just for decentralized music, just to go on an RSS feed. That's its purpose. 
from beginning conceptually before the songs were written and the music was composed and the tracks were recorded. That was the idea, right? So we started from there and went and published the thing. Because of the agreements that we have in place between Abel and I and with the artists that did artwork on the tracks who have wallets, there's no way we can do Wave Lake. It's okay. a deal breaker. It won't work for us because of their black box money system. They custody all your funds, 100%, and then they allow you to withdraw 90% of that 100 from time to time, right? Like whenever you do it. So you've got to go in. So if I wanted to actually put my shit on Wave Lake and still honor the agreements that we have in place, which we must honor because we gave our word, right? Yes. I would have to withdraw. I would have to pick a certain time frame, right? So, okay, every month I'm going to withdraw or every time it hits 50,000 sats, I'm going to withdraw. I don't fucking know. Then I would have to go through. I would have to see which boosts went to which artists because they're all going in the same wallet, uh, right? So yeah. which songs got boosted, which which songs get split 50-50 versus which get split 45-45-10. That's fucking impossible, okay? That's the hard shit. You want to talk about it's too hard? That's too fucking hard. We have programmable money we made it easy we made it easy to make a value tag so you can define who gets what right in the fucking rss and you can look it up and everybody can see it it's available it's online look up a wavelake tag look up a wavelake rss value tag it tells you all you need to know right there wavelake 100 percent what does that mean the artist is trusting wavelake wholly that that's all the boosts they received. There's no way of verifying that. They're trusting Wave Lake wholly that uh, they're going to keep those funds safe. They have a great security system. Nobody can get in there. Nobody can grab it. They're uh, also foregoing all of these rich features that we have out here from the start. Christmas 2021, we had an album that had live lyrics that you can look at. So cool. Via transcript tag. So you can watch the lyrics go by. We didn't ask anybody, hey, can we do this? We didn't have to wait for a developer to put that in. Already existed, so we just added the fucking file. Simple. Easy. We can read the boostograms. I can scroll back and see what people are saying about Stay A While. None of the Wavelake artists can see that shit. I have my strong suspicions that Wavelake doesn't even read that shit. I don't know. Got no way to know. It's a black box and no one can look in there. Eh. So... While it's a step in the right direction and I'm sympathetic and I get, you know, this is what I've been told until I fucking fall over asleep standing up. The average person will never do this. The average person will never sit down and finger it out. The average person will never want to know. Well, the average person probably isn't an artist anyway, so... (laughs) I reject this notion that it's too hard. I reject this notion that the average person can't or won't do it or isn't interested. I think many people are interested. I think the average artist is hungry for something better. I think the average artist is hungry for freedom. I think the average artist is hungry for sovereignty over their own fucking art that they make. And I reject this notion... That the average artist has no interest or can't do this or won't do this or won't learn. Bullshit, man. The average artist learned guitar, which was way fucking harder than putting an RSS feed together. Give me a break, dude. I can't teach you how to shred guitar 
in a week of like one hour sessions, five nights. I can teach you how to put an RSS set uh, together in three nights, man. If you're extra dumb. Well, yeah. And Abel and the Wolf, you can pretty much just copy and paste that one and then put in your own info. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's being made easier all the time, but the ease of access right now is incredible. It is a huge opportunity. And the average artist right now can do it like that. The average artist can be getting boosts next week that they can read, that they have full control over. The average artist can put their album out and have do-it-yourself agreements with nobody else involved other than who actually they want the money to go to. The possibilities, once you figure out what they are, are mind-boggling. Yeah. And you don't need a fucking app to help you. You can do it yourself. Exactly. You can truly be a DIY musician, which I think the average musician that I interact with, which ain't just a few of them, by the way, that's what the average musician wants. And so I promise they can do that. And you can go in to Homegrown Hits IRC chat. There are people in there whose soul is alight with the energy to help you do this. Booberry will just do it for you straight up. Yeah. If you don't want to learn it, Booberry will do it straight up, do it for you. But kind of like <laughs> Sir TJ the Wrathful, you know, artists want to get in there. And then when they realize like, oh, this guy can do it, though, I can probably do it. Sir TJ figured it out. Mm-hmm. And now he's helping other people figure it out. And this is how it spreads, man. This is how it spreads. One guy figures it out, helps three guys who help three guys. Boom. Wavelake's going to become irrelevant or they're going to change the way they work. So I'm not even worried about them. Mm-hmm. I'm really not. But what we have to do as we figure this out and as things come online is we need to totally reject anybody saying, hey, well, you know, the average person isn't going to shut the fuck up with that. Yeah, anyone can do it. The average person already is doing it. I'm not some kind of fucking genius savant over here. I'm just a little bit touched over here. It's a little stoner guy in his basement, okay? And I'm doing it. All of us guys are average guys doing it. You can be an average guy doing it too. I'm a below average person <laughs> doing an RSS feed because I haven't coded since MySpace. <laughs> That's my only coding experience is did my you, MySpace did you code, page. Code Yancat as your cursor or something? Uh, I had Falling Cherry Blossoms okay. and I had an embedded music player and a lot of moving parts. <laughs> mm. It was a lot of fun. I miss my MySpace page. Yeah. It's a kick-ass time, okay? And, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit lit up about this because I have a lot of passion, right? I have a lot of love. I've I've invested a lot of my soul into this. And um, now to see it happening and seeing people come in, we have, we have to be messaging this correctly. And the message is this. It ain't that damn hard, okay? It ain't that damn hard. Well, and another thing to me is Weight Lake is just sort of, it's centralized wearing a new coat or something, you know? It's still send Mew instead of D-Mew. It is, yeah. You know, they preach, they preach decentralization and they use Bitcoin, which is a decentralized currency, uh, but they do not operate in a decentralized manner. It all flows through them into a custodied wallet and perhaps... Also, more importantly, they 
don't surface any music that isn't hosted by them. So if you want to appear in their player or have a chance to be in the running of their top whatever chart, yeah. which every time I get it, I get it. Every time you bring that up, you immediately have to disclaim that with an, I don't care about the chart, I don't care about it, but I'll talk about it. Like, I'm willing to say I care about it. I'm willing to say it would be nice to be able to be in the running for that as well. I also don't really, like, lose sleep over where I am on charts, okay? It's not, it's not front of mind, back of butt, side of there's, face. There's a top 100 on Alan Beats, though. There yeah. is. There's, there's other charts out there. And I'm not, I'm not trying to raise up or diminish the chart thing, right? I'm just saying it's a, yet another factor here. They have a walled garden content system where they're only surfacing music that has been given to them that they're making that whole cut on. Uh, and they're happy to have their content shown to other apps because, yeah, if you boost that over in CurioCaster, well, it's still that 100% Wavelake split. If you boost that over in Podverse, well, yeah, it's still that 100% Wavelake split. So, of course, they're happy to have that trickle out to the other spots. And they'll write blogs saying, oh, yeah, you know, you can be available in all these apps. Well, you can if you jump through the extra hoop of adding your finding your feed and adding it to the index, which is what they don't mention. But anyway, I think we've done. I think I've done enough. I think I've said enough about this. I don't want to beat this into the ground. Uh, but that's my message this week specifically: is like we are bringing tutorials online. We're we're in full teach mode, and it might seem intimidating at first, but you can learn this. Okay, you learn the guitar for Christ's sake. You learn the piano. You learned all of your favorite songs. You can learn how to put your music out there for an audience that's ready to consume this and give you value for this. People have been waiting for this. We're hungry. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's hungry and there's plenty to eat. So let's just help each other out. That's what's going down. Yeah, it's beautiful. Demu. It's Demu. happening. It is. It's it's a beautiful time to be alive. This is the most important project, group, whatever thing that I've ever worked on my whole life. I feel that. And it feels good to have all this momentum and steam picking up. Uh, it's not about the recognition for me. I don't really give a shit. It's about getting more people free. And I'm not talking about almost free or a little less slavey. <laughs> I'm talking about all the way free. You can just be free. What a concept. You can just be free. You can just go all the way free. You don't have to do this compromise halfway thing. Well, the average person will always need to be somewhat slaved out. No! I don't believe that. No! No. I reject that notion. You're as slave as you want to be, man. We are the first! It's not about the credit. It's about, I'm spitting this information out at you fast because there's a lot of it. And it's life-saving. So let just let us save your life, is what I'm saying. All you got to do is give your consent and we can save your life. Oh, I've got Bitcoin headlines, but I don't even really care. I don't okay. really want to talk about them. I, right. I will talk about one. I'll talk about one because uh, it's kind of the conclusion of the story we talked about last time on the cocaine shit saying the big fun overspent fee. Oh, yeah. Uh, the goof was identified. Paxos. Hi, congratulations. You win the dummy of the year award. Paxos. Which is uh, PayPal's infrastructure partner, mm. by the way. PayPal's, surprise, surprise. So some legacy dipshits uh, under some legacy dipshits in the financial industry. Overpaid on September 10th, almost 20 Bitcoin. 
buy an oopsie. Big oops. Only half a million bucks in fiat terms. Not that big of a deal, right? <laughs> Due to a bug on a single transfer and it has been fixed, customer funds are safe, clients and end users have not been affected, Paxos is in contact with the miner to recoup the funds, a PayPal spokesperson told the absolute shining star Jim fucking 10 out of 10 gentlemen over at Bitcoin Magazine. You guys are really the cream of the fucking crop over there. Bitcoin's Chamber of Commerce. How can we do all the same fiat shit but in Bitcoin? Oh, let's do Bitcoin Magazine. That would be cool. Uh, anyway, turns out F2 Pool has returned this 19.8 Bitcoin fees. Wow. The manager stuck to their word and made a full refund to Paxos. Uh, I saw just some insane shade about this. Again, going back to the Bitcoin bros. Mm. A lot of people changed their position and were kind of like, oh, it should be given back until they found out it was Paxos. A lot of people like switched sides just, just because they found out it was Paxos and PayPal. Oh. And they were like, oh, well, since it's Paxos and PayPal, they shouldn't have given it back. You, wow. You know, the right thing to do doesn't change just because of who is involved. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's still the right thing to return the wallet if you found it and it's lost. It's still the right thing to give back somebody who accidentally dropped a, a half a fucking million dollars. You know? Yep. The right thing to do is to make that right. To correct the mistake. You have the power. And they did it. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's ethically sound. I think it was the morally right thing to do. Well, especially after Wang Chung came out and said... If someone comes to me in three days and claims this, I'm going to give it back. Once you make that promise, you have to follow through on it. Yes, I agree. You know, your word is your bond. And yeah. uh, if it's not, what kind of man are you anyway? So the right thing was to give it back, and they gave it back. And I think that's a great thing. Everybody whining and bitching about it is trying to make some kind of argument that this half a million dollars is owed to all of the home miners who, those poor home miners, they mine at a loss. Oh, they mine at a loss. <laughs> and it's the scarcity mentality thing where, like, you know, if a truck flips over and spills a half a million dollars in your driveway, like, you're not going to keep that. You're not allowed to keep that. Right. You're going to get authorities knocking on your door about that. You're mining at a loss because you made a decision to plug a miner in because you want Bitcoin and you're willing to pay extra for it for whatever. You, you're non-KYCing it or it's a trickle at a time, whatever. You're making that decision to mine at a loss. You're not a hero for mining at a loss. It's a good idea, and I'm certainly glad that everybody who home mines does that. I do it when it's not you know 80 degrees outside and I can do it because my setup is dumb. Uh, but I don't do it seriously. I don't do it as like an investment, right? Mm -hmm. I don't do it for my profit, my profitability. I do it because I want to learn primarily. And all of the home miners make that decision. The home miners didn't pay anything extra for PayPal to fuck up their code. The home miners didn't invest and add extra effort for this mistake to happen. So there's nothing that has earned them the right to get any part of half a million bucks that got accidentally injected into the system. So I reject that notion. If you are one of those worship the time chain interesting characters, let's say, <laughs> then you ought to know by your own radical doctrine that the only thing that really matters is who owns the private key to that UX, uh, UTXO that had the 19.8 Bitcoin on it. And it seems to me that 
as FT Pool was able to return it back, the pool managers did indeed have the private key to that. And so, no foul there. All right. No foul there, Church of Bitcoin. So anyway, that really astounded me. That was not on my 2023 bingo card to see like hardcore Bitcoin maxis whining about a, a, some pool managers doing like the obvious ethical and moral correct thing. You know, a lot of Bitcoin maxis hold themselves out as like these morally superior people who are like above and beyond this corrupt fiat system. And then something like this happens and the fiat comes out and everybody, it's like a bunch of crackheads running around going, where's mine? Where's my piece? Where's my piece? Ah, I, I should have a piece. Yeah. Like, wow. And just like, if you're a person picking up a lost wallet on the ground in a store or parking lot or something or on the bar, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the person will thank you later with a little reward, but you also can't expect that. It's my thing too. Like, but they are free to. It would be a completely different scenario if the block was solved by some home miner that's just mining on their own, plugged in without a pool. Now, the odds of that are pretty much impossible. But if that was the case, it would be a little different, you know? And then you'd have to find the you'd have to find the guy that hit the lottery and you'd have to negotiate with them directly. And maybe that would be a different maybe that would look different. But as it goes, you know, everything is Everything's on the blockchain. It's all public. So everybody's going to look and say, well, you know, in this case, F2 pool, you got that fee. We can kind of figure out with a little bit of snooping how that fee came to be. And, you know, part of that is what's nice about having it publicly on the ledger is that if some fuck up happens, you can go, hey, whoa, whoa, hold on just a second. Let's put this back where it was supposed to go. They didn't mean to send this. This isn't a legitimate fee. I've seen the argument that it's a it's an agreement. It's a cryptographically provable agreement to that they paid that much for the transaction. They agreed to pay that much for the transaction. Well, you know, when the back end code has an error in it and you have an accidental situation, that's not an agreement. An accident is not an agreement. So I'm glad that all got resolved, man. I'm I'm glad that it uh, happened the way it happened. Uh you know, couldn't have happened to nicer guys than Paxos and PayPal. Ooh. <laughs> Somebody cheesed me on the telegram like, uh, Paxos and PayPal aren't going to sleep with you even if they do read this comment. Wow. It's like... Good one, bro. As if I'm trying to suck up to Paxos and PayPal as if I give a fuck what... Come on, man. It's a good use case, though. It's like just some low-effort cheeseball shit that somebody says at the end of a comment because they don't want to actually engage in a intellectually honest debate. Oh, are you trying to get your dick sucked? <laughs> well, like, yes, but not by Paxos and PayPal. You know, it's like you have to think on the other side. What if you had an accident and sent over 100,000 sets and didn't mean to? You would hope that the person on the other end is willing to send it back. Like, I understand it's a giant corporation in this use, in this situation, but it trickles down. It can be applied to smaller situations, too. Yeah. And that gives me hope. That people will look at this event and be like, oh, you know what? They contacted me. It was a mistake, and I'm going to give it back because it's theirs. I agree, man. I I just, I guess there's a part of me that wishes that more people reacted that way, you know? I think that resoundingly the community, if you can call it that, because you really can't in any case. It's always bullshit when you say the community, but, uh, the, you know, all of the Bitcoin fans should have been like, hey, you know what? 
we are the good guys and we did the right thing. Despite who the players are, maybe you don't like F2 pool. I don't really know enough about them to like or not like them. I don't know enough about them. I know they're a really big pool. They probably KYC everybody. That sucks. But they did the right thing in this case. I can tell you PayPal is a big sack of suck. (laughs) I didn't even know they worked with this company Paxos until this happened, so I don't know what shit about them. But, you know, a guess that they suck would probably be a good guess. But it doesn't matter. You do the right thing whether people suck or not. Fuck, I suck on my worst days. I suck a lot. So... Oh, dick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What? 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 You know. Woo! I was trying to lighten the mood. You did, (laughs) yeah. So, anyway, I I think that's plenty of cocaine for today. I don't want to have a heart attack or nothing. (laughs) Let's put the rest back in the bag for next week. Okay. Uh, anyway, it's a great time to roll on over to my favorite segment. Top three, 33. All right. Ah, yes. The magic number was alive this past week. My ears were ringing. People were seeing the headlines and tagging me left and right, or reaching out to me. And Billy Bones was... All over the Bull After Bull chat this week with Magic Number Stories. He was seeking him out. Or no, maybe they were seeking him out. They were seeking him out. This is mm-hmm. how the Magic Number works. This is true. But by today, there was a story that got to seemingly everyone. And they made sure it got to me. Over and over again. Which I appreciate. I like hearing about 33 stories. But I already had it in my notes. And the story is that the U.S. National Debt Tops $33 trillion. Oh, my God. Yes. Now, this is the gross national debt. Disgusting national debt. Total yuck debt. And I was looking around at this, and I saw that there's $26 trillion, uh, which is a separate measure of debt held by the public. Because I like to go to the U.S. debt clock. Of course. And uh, look at things over there. And I couldn't find 33 over there, and I thought, oh, that's because they're separate debts. Okay, I see. This is great. With your debts combined, we now have $33 trillion. I see it. That's the biggest number on the screen. Yeah, I see it meow. Now that you have it on a nice big screen. Yeah. $33 trillion, U.S. national debt. Big number. Yeah. Anyway. That's not even 100 k per citizen. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> Well, if, uh, you know, they're in the articles, they're all saying if this keeps on track at this rate, it'll be $50 trillion uh, national debt by the end of the decade. It's all bullshit anyway, though, since the dollar doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, more debt's just GDP at this point, right? It's just, uh, that's more, that's more dollars on the treasury books. Yep. Woo! We're rich! The number gets bigger. We print more. Yeah, what was it, like 80% of uh, the money that's circulating now was printed during COVID? I think it's half. Half? I mean, that sounds better. Yeah, 80% of statistics are pulled out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else's. That's a dumb place to keep bowls. <clears throat> I saw a story that caught my eye, which was that West Nile virus is now detected in 33 Connecticut towns. Oh, and just a, yet another reason to stay the hell out of Connecticut. Yeah. As if I needed another one. But that's not really the story. That was just the headline. 
it's a bit more alarming when you click into the article oh God. Uh, from WTNH because they turn it all around two paragraphs down and start talking about triple E, Eastern equine encephalitis. Equine, equine? How do you say horse with an E? I anyway. think that either work, but I usually hear equine. Equine. Eastern equine encephalitis. Equine. That's been found in four counties in Connecticut, and it's got a 40% mortality rate and causes neurological impairment in most survivors. So that actually ended up sounding a bit scarier than West Nile virus, but of course didn't have the 33 to pull the headline in, so it wasn't a headline maker. Uh, and, you know, why? Why now? Why are all these mosquitoes getting these things? Well... The article points to warmer than average weather. Oh, boy. Global warming. Well, you know, it was summer. <laughs> but what do I know? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Nothing scares me that comes out in the media. I just thought it was interesting how most of the article is about Tripoli instead of West Nile. A study came out this week in JAMA but it was pushed by the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. And the study claims that, or what they ran with for the headline here, the original Pfizer COVID vaccine was 33% effective against emergency urgent care in young kids. Mm. Mm, that's a lot lower than the 98% efficacy rate that was pushed. And it was like big numbers, close to 100. Nope. Nah. Not in kids, at least. And these were all children younger than five. So six months to four years old. Um, kids, 24,000 of them, who were diagnosed with having an acute respiratory infection. And then, of course, tested for COVID um, at a Kaiser Permanente in Southern California between July 2022 and May 2023. So... Less than 5% of these children were fully boosted, triple boosted, you know, all that crap. And I could only think, well, that's because some of them here were just born. You know, six months old? Yeah. Come on. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they were jamming six-month-olds with three boosters already in this world. But luckily, it was only less than 5% of these kids. Um, and so they do some math here, and they said that when they were giving them the vaccine here, it was you know had that 33% effectiveness, uh, which is a lot lower than the roughly 70% efficacy among symptomatic illnesses mm. seen in a clinical trial that they had run um, when the BA2 sublineages were predominant, which I believe is the omicron variant but who can fucking keep up with that right, crap it's just a different va2 fucking... you know it's a variant same cold different name uh and so what's their conclusion here uh vaccine good well in my brain my conclusion was oh so that was a waste of time and potential health risks because yeah. it has a pretty low efficacy rate that's what my brain said remember when they were like oh get them out of the don't let them go to the grocery store. Get them out of their job. Make them feel pain. Don't let them go to a bar or restaurant. I remember, I remember the vitriol every asshole on TV had for people who wouldn't get this 
shot that doesn't work? Jabbed. Yeah. I remember. I'm not ever going to forget this shit. Uh, me neither, because I was the person they were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> In all cases. Yeah. And I wasn't invited to family affairs because of this. And yeah, it sucked. It was bullshit. And people were pretty fucking mean. Yeah. And I've never been mean to people. So it was, it really pissed me off. But anyway, it was a lot of fear mongering. And it was gross. And people just went along with the narrative. Anyway, my brain sitting here reading this new study says, oh, yeah, so that's kind of what we inferred from very little research into the whole thing, which is the risks outweigh the potential factors of why you would even want to get it. Yes. No. The conclusion of the study (laughs) says that updated vaccines will likely be needed to maintain protection against contemporary strains in young children. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So, oh, those ones aren't so effective because they're outdated. We'll have to come up with some more. And you're just going to have to make sure you get them all three times because, duh, not. Certainly not, duh. Incredible. It's, uh, It's pretty ridiculous. The mental gymnastics being pulled I know. here. It's like, that's what gets me. Well, you know, these pretty much didn't really work at all in most cases, but like, we're going to need the updated ones because there's new shit out. And those will work for the new shit. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah, because the last ones worked so well. Oh, my God. It's just like, uh. How stupid have we been? There's a lot of folks out there on autopilot. That's how I'll put it nicely. With memories of a goldfish at best. Of course, yes. Well, that's how they pull off six-week cycles. I mean, I remember Bring Back Our Girls, man. I remember <laughs> 2012. Like, I, I remember all of this shit. Mm-hmm. I remember windows exploding outward of the World Trade Center. I remember, like, come on, man. Yeah. Right, and tuned in the chat's correct. This isn't even the first, second, or third time they've told us that the new shit will work. It should end. Just... They keep saying it over and over again. And that's part of the magic, the NLP or whatever. You know, you say the same shit over and over again, people believe it and regurgitate it. Yeah, just turn your TV off and go listen to some Ellen Beats, man. Definitely. That's great advice. Now, I know I've thrown three stories at you, but I have two more to squeeze in here to the top 533 tonight. Oh, damn. (laughs) Been a busy week. And I'll just be quick with it. Canada is sending $33 million in air defense missiles to Ukraine. Uh, That money comes from a $500 million fund that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced in June 2023 for military assistance in Ukraine. And Canada has already contributed $8 billion to Ukraine over the last year and a half, along with $1.8 billion worth in weapons, ammo, military vehicles, drone cameras, and winter clothing. So they sure are doing their part. Cheat. Laundering that money. And finally, Chicago approved $33 million in federal funds for migrant shelters and services. Now, this comes from the Department of Homeland Security and uh, other federal pass-through grants from the Illinois Department of Human Services. Um, So $19.8 million of that is going to food, and $13.2 million of that is going to the cost of the shelter spaces. 
The city already spent $133 million, which I loved seeing the magic number pop up again, between August 2022 to July 2023 on migrants. And 135,000 people have arrived in Chicago, mostly from Central and South America. Um, but people interviewed in the articles reporting on this say that there are buses coming in daily. So right now, 2,000 migrants, if you believe these numbers, by the way, like all numbers could easily be bullshit. But this article from Block Club Chicago claims that 2,000 migrants are being housed in police stations and at O'Hare Airport, which I have heard that a lot, that there's people living at the airport. Um, and 6,800 are in shelters, of which there's 18 different shelters that are homing them. And all I could think in my head was, well, Chicago homeless be damned. We're making space for people from other countries. You know, like there's already so many problems in our country, in our backyards. But here we've we'll make room for other people because that's where the federal money comes in. And when you read the statements of the um, city councilors who voted to accept this money, that's kind of what they're saying. Yeah, we know that there are residents here still living with flood damage and that they deserve city attention, too. But we can't say no to this money. <laughs> you could have and you should have. Yeah. Yeah. And your constituents will. It's, a net, it's going to be a net loss. It's too bad that votes don't really matter. No doubt. But <laughs> yeah. It just sucks to, you know, see people suffering in your own backyard and turn a blind eye to it. That's all. Totally. Oh, and with that, I'd say let's go behind the curtain. So uh, on my on our way back here, we should thank a couple of fresh boosts that came in. Oh, fresh boosts. Including 6969 from our boy Booberry again. Oh, now, now. Thank you, Boobs. Yeah, that's another one. 6969, 69, dudes! <laughs> And uh, he didn't come with a phone number, but he did come with an MP3 f uh, file. Oh. Let's see what it says. Bring out the gimp. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Sinmu never expected this. Oh, that is for sure. <laughs> yes. Thank you, boobs. I do want to say, I was spiritually on fire coming out of homegrown hits Thursday night and then hearing the boardroom on Friday, we're driving up to the concert and that fire, the concert was great fun. It was awesome. Seeing Alice Cooper has always been on my bucket list and I was glad to cross it off, but it felt, um, very old school, you know, like old hat, the send me thing. Yeah. You know, there's like songs about money and dollar bills floating around on screens and stuff. And it's such an eye roller. It's just like, nah, get with the times, dude. Yeah. This is the new shit. This is where it's at. Do you get that? Like, Definitely. I don't know how to express it eloquently, Definitely. but it's when I got off to, you know, be in this weird world. Cause like a lot of people know there's problems. A lot of people see the problems. A lot of people can identify. This is the problem and bitch about the problem. But there's resistance to the solutions. There's understandable cynicisms in the solution. Like, oh, yeah, that can't be the solution. That's never going to work. I get that. I get that. And, you know, time will tell. Been wrong about things. But uh, it looks like we've got some solutions that are viable. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's just a matter of 
not even convincing people because we're not in the convincing business and, and people aren't convinced anyway. People have to figure it out. So it's just making an environment where it's it becomes plainly obvious. And I think that nothing is doing that better right now than the whole decentralized mu- uh, music movement. Definitely. We did get another boost from Eastside Tony. Oh, Eastside Tony. He hit us again with a thousand sats from Podverse. He said, I came to the realization that hosting music for artists could make more Bitcoin a day than mining Bitcoin. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. E- easily so. Definitely. Especially if you're just plugging in a regular three-prong 120-volt miner, because if so, you're looking at an S9, and if you're looking at an S9, you're probably making, <laughs> I don't know, on a good day, a few hundred sets. But yeah, there you go. If you're an artist and you don't feel like banging your head against the RSS feed, Eastside Tony's another dude that'll help you out. Host your music. There's just a big crowd of people. If you go over there, hop in, uh, homegrown hits. Yeah. That's where the people who are interested in all that homegrown, they, they hang out there. That's right. That's the way to do it. So many people willing to help. Anyway, we are behind we love the it. curtain, right? Oh yeah, there it is over there. We did walk. I walked through it and then I forgot about it. I had to look around. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start off with a story that Billy Bones tipped me off to. Billy's been bringing the news this week. Which featured a magic number. Yes, and this is, of course, El Chapo's son being extradited to the United States nine months after being arrested in Mexico. He happens to be 33 years old. No, no. Yeah, what's the chance of that? Um, so, of course, he's got three other brothers who have been indicted, but their whereabouts are unknown. El Chapo, of course, is serving life uh, in Colorado. Now, I don't know El Chapo personally, obviously. I've heard that he's had at least four wives and that he's got at least 15 children between those women. At the same damn time. But At I the same damn time. only hear about these four brothers, mm. um, the Chapitos. and yeah, little, I, little Chapos. So his son gets extradited, and then last Wednesday, and I think it might have been like the day before the news came out that he was extradited, El Chapo's wife, who's 34 years old, so a year older than his son there, uh, she was released from serving two years in prison here and the good old U.S. of A. And, of course, the paparazzi snapped a lot of pictures of her partying it up. Do you think they just followed her to him or figured that out that way or unrelated? Probably totally unrelated. Never mind. Oh, of course. Why would she get released and he's nabbed? No, mm. never, never mind. What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. She's to- not his mama. I know that. Totally unrelated. Out of the four wives, it's definitely not her son here. That would be <laughs> tough to squeeze one out at a year old. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No. You don't have the, uh, your, your body <laughs> is growing and working on other things at that time. Correct. <laughs> Anyways, I come with a clip for this story that I'd like to play for you. Oh, clippity doo ABC 7 law enforcement expert Ed Farrell moved and protected federal prisoners when he worked as a U.S. Marshal in Chicago. Tonight, Farrell says the aim while arresting any of El Chapo's four sons would be to prevent escape and violence, especially a public shootout as occurred when Ovidio was arrested in Mexico. 
He's not planning on cooperating against his brothers. Attorney Jeffrey Lickman initially brushing aside questions about whether Ovidio Guzman Lopez might help himself by cutting a plea deal and assisting U.S. drug agents in tracking down and apprehending his three fugitive brothers. This son, I possibly could see it. Ovidio's cooperation a possibility tonight, according to former DEA Chicago special agent in charge Jack Riley, who... I'm just going to pause there, because don't you love that pivot? His attorney just said he's not going to rat out his brothers. And then this guy, some expert, But comes according out. to the law enforcement dude we talked to, that is a possibility, and it is a strong possibility. <laughs> yeah, former this weird. DA. This is the weirdest read. It's <laughs> a very weird read. Guy, he's like... Uh, Lizards are strange. Yeah, he's between like uh, Phil Hartman and what's the guy that did Gronk? Or Kronk in the in the. You know. <laughs> I don't know. Let me look it up. It's like those guys had a baby. You know what I'm talking about. It's sort of Phil Hartman, uh, Patrick Warburton. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. But not as personable as Phil Hartman, right? Because the news, because he's just you know. he's a little more sleazy with the way he talks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy is just doing the one note thing over and over again. It's weird. Phil Hardman has more than one note. Yeah. Yep. Okay, anyways, I'll let this uh, former DEA guy keep talking. I just couldn't believe that they would, like, put the opposites there. And also, I trust the attorney more than a former Fed on what the guy's going to do or not do. And it's family. You know? Come on. Family. You don't narc on your family, fuckheads. Jack Riley, who literally wrote the book on El Chapo. They probably learned from what happened to their father at the end and obviously their elder brother here. Uh, But I also think it puts uh, pressure on a a very weak Mexican government to get this right now. You have to understand, uh, even in our days with Chapo, a public enemy number one, that was a tremendous embarrassment to the Mexican government and also to the business community, both in Chicago and across the border. So I think there's going to be some unique pressure to clean this mess up and get these other three in custody. Uh, That's the end of my clip. But yeah, it's just an interesting time, I guess. And with the wife getting out of prison, we'll see. He gets moved here. Um, Never a dull moment with international drug gangs. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or scapegoats for whatever's really going on. Mm. You know? Because we'll never know. Just what they uh, tell us. (laughs) Yeah. Which frustratingly turns out to be bullshit far too frequently so exactly what can you do with that (laughs) why you color me cynical every time uh and i just started thinking so like is this an excuse to funnel more money into sending our military down to fight in mexico or something you know like are we going to start sending more people down there because you mentioned like the mexican government being weak right now and for me also like now the mexican government is synonymous with cartel it's like in my head from the very little understanding i have on this topic it's just kind of one and the same you know like the cartel is the lobbyists of the government and lobbyists determine what the government does because everything's corrupt yeah there's a lot of uh same team type of shit going on there yeah you know and then yeah how much of the uh (laughs) whatever al chapo's done all that he's done or nothing that he's done was directly uh, given to him as a mission 
by federal operatives, you know, like, was he a fed? We'll never know. Nah. But it's spooky. It's spooky, and the magic number was in there, so I was really happy when Billy Boyne, Billy Boynes. Billy Boynes. <laughs> yeah, Billy Bones pointed it out to me. Oh, here's a story that maybe you have or have not heard this week. Hunter Biden has been indicted on gun charges. Oh? Mm-hmm. I have not heard this. I didn't hear that either. I thought that it all got dismissed. You know, he was just kind of walking out of it. And there's a quote here from his attorney, a man by the name of Abby Lowell, who says, As expected, prosecutors filed charges today that they deemed were not warranted just six weeks ago following a five-year investigation into this case. The evidence in this matter has not changed in the last six weeks, but the law has, and so has MAGA Republicans' improper and partisan interference in this process. Uh. Which was such an eye-roller, because uh, you want to say MAGA, like January 6th, anyone? All those people who just got locked up for being at the wrong place at the wrong time? I digress. His quote continues, Hunter Biden possessing an unloaded gun for 11 days was not a threat to public safety, but a prosecutor with all the power imaginable bending to political pressure presents a grave threat to our system of justice, uh, which we've seen threatened this whole time in the other direction, perhaps. They're all the same direction. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. He continues, We believe these charges are barred by the agreement the prosecutors made with Mr. Biden, the recent rulings by several federal courts that this statute is unconstitutional, and the facts that he did not violate that law. And we plan to demonstrate all of that in court. So what I take from this is that the attorney is planning to argue that the law banning drug users from possessing guns is unconstitutional under the Second Amendment. And if that's the case, and Holy they based. win with that, we all win. Yep. Holy fuck. I was, I loved reading that statement from him just for that tidbit at the end. <laughs> because that's how my brain extrapolated is it. it. Setting our, uh, are we setting ourselves up for like a possible Hunter Biden or, uh, yeah, it would be a Hunter Biden redemption arc, man. <laughs> Perhaps. But all credit goes to his uh, attorney there, if he can win on that. Once upon a trash can, <laughs> the Hunter Biden story. Man, I, so his quote there about 11 days with an unloaded gun. I'm like, what is that all about? Yeah, dude bought a Colt Cobra revolver on my birthday, October 12th in 2018, and then sold it 11 days later. Oh. So he lied on this form So for... What's the implication there? Are you like, you got to keep it for a certain amount of time or some shit? No. Oh, he just said he never had... Oh, the attorney said it was unloaded. I mean, that's just oh, colorful language in my, as far saying. as it's concerned to me. Yeah. I don't know if he took care of some business with the gun or whatever, but 11 days later, it wasn't his gun, which I think is a little weird. Buy it and then flip it or whatever. Yeah. You know, and that's his business. It's not mine. It's just like 11 days. It's not a long time and to he, keep a gun. He bought it on my birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks. Five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, if the if they don't win, uh, finding that banning drug users from possessing guns is unconstitutional, <laughs> which I believe it is, yeah, uh, he could face a maximum 25 years in prison, along with hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines, which we know he's good for. 
Maybe. So good. I guess he, you know, was kind of asking the big guy for some loans and such, but I digress from the topic at hand. So good. So good. You don't want to digress in the night. I just wasn't hearing about it a lot. That story is all on uh, Politico. Yeah. <laughs> was my source for finding it. Wow. It's been a long time since I read a Politico. Mm-hmm. It was painful, as you can imagine. Uh, now, people have been talking about weed a lot this week, and that's because the Senate Banking Committee has decided to vote on the Safe Banking Act September 27th. If no one had talked about this, I wouldn't have brought it to the bowl because I could really not give a fuck what a committee does. Sure. Because then there's steps after that, you know? They're just one step in this long process of steps to getting a bill passed. Right. Not even a significant one. Yeah. It could just stall here, you know? <laughs> Many such cases. So this is, of course, the Secure and Fair Banking Act, um, which has been brought up since 2014, I believe, because dispensaries are forced to deal in cash only, which isn't a good way to have to do business. I mean, cash is king, but if someone uh, comes and takes the safe out of your retail space, well, there's all your money. Yeah. And on the flip side, you know, the tax collectors and such could probably be a little worried that the business might be skimming off the top or something if all their handling is in cash. Mm -hmm. Although state legal markets are incredibly regulated. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. They follow that seed straight to your bowl every transaction. It's gross. So we'll see what comes of that next week. The 27th, of course, it's a Tuesday, so um, I will be keeping my eyes peeled on bold day next week, and I'll let you know what they decide in their vote and where it goes from there. Now, Alabama is facing a lawsuit um, from Medela LLC, which unsuccessfully applied for an integrated facility license. And what happened here is that the Alabama Medical Cannabis Commission um, published all of the applications with their pass-fail comments attached. And the lawsuit alleges that the commission falsely claimed the owner of this company had a criminal history. Um, It was a note on the application that said criminal conviction history, felony or controlled substance related misdemeanor slash 10 years. And they also noted that they didn't provide criminal background checks. Now the company argues that they submitted a full and complete application, which of of course includes all required background checks and that the owner has no criminal history. Um, So <laughs> did you, it kind of comes up to did you actually submit the background checks correctly um did they not receive it on their end is it like who's at fault here for the background checks not going where they needed to go mm. because yeah the note on the application says later applicant owner's criminal history could not be fully verified due to non-receipt of timely criminal background checks in the manner designated by the commission which with the word timely in there, timely in there could also imply, yeah, you sent it, but you didn't hit the deadline or something. Sure. But either way, you know, more stalling to the licensing process, which is a tale as old as time in the state legalization realm. Yeah. So much fun. And another story, which 
we're going to start seeing over and over again comes from Arizona. And I once again have brought a clip. Dozens gathering outside the Cure Leaf Dispensary Friday near Central Avenue and Thomas Road, hoping their demands for better pay, benefits, working conditions, and safety, among others, won't go up in smoke. People over profit, justice over greed, cannabis for all, not just corporate need. In support of the striking workers, UFCW Local 99 hosted the rally, along with elected leaders and community members. The group calling on Cure Leaf Midtown to reinstate a recently fired worker and start advancing union contract negotiations. On June 30th, 2022, the workers voted in favor of unionizing. But nearly two years after their organizing campaign began, workers at the Midtown location still do not have a union contract. We're demanding that Cure Leaf comes to the table and negotiates with us, uh, like they were uh, supposed to do when the NLRB ordered them to recognize us. You know, we've been fighting for almost two years now, and we're not even anywhere close to a contract. Cure Leaf tells Fox 10 in a statement, in part, while we we believe that a direct relationship with our team members is the best route for us to work together. We respect the voices of our team members and will negotiate with union leaders in good faith. Yeah. Wonderful faith. We'll see. Two, I know, I'm thinking, man, these workers voted to unionize two years ago and nothing's been done. Jeebus, relief. <laughs> yeah. What good faith that? there. Good communication with your team or whatever they claimed was best. Cripes. Have some faith, Arthur. Now, it was also noted in the articles that not every employee was out on strike. There were people working in the shops trying to, like, shut the curtains and stuff so that people that go in to still buy their weed don't have to look at the people on strike. <laughs> and I was just imagining that turmoil of, like, co-worker versus co-worker, you know? Those people... Just like, hey, man, I'm just here to work. I didn't give a fuck about unionizing. Like, <laughs> I just want to sell some weed to some people. Right. Oh, man. Pity the fools. Yeah. It was tough standing up against all of your coworkers. And then, you know, God forbid, Cure Leaf comes in and is like, okay, everyone that was on strike, goodbye. <laughs> We've got Donnie over here who decided to keep man in the store, so he's going to get a raise and... He didn't vote for a union, so we're going to go with that. <laughs> you don't know. Tricky situation, man. I don't know what they're allowed to do legally or not, but... I think unions had their time and place and use case, but anymore it just seems like another corrupt body over people squeezing them and cheating. Yeah, it's one of those situations for me where I've never been involved in a union, but every time I hear about them, sounds like the cons outweigh the pros. Yeah. But I don't know. So my hands up in the air. I don't have an opinion one way or the other, really, because it doesn't affect me. Yeah. And I think God. that if the workers voted to unionize, then Cure Relief should have honored that. I agree. And it's been two years and nothing has been done. That's pretty messed up. I agree. That is bad faith, not good faith. <laughs> yeah. If you do the thing, you should be able to do it, you know, if you want to. Yeah, exactly. Then everyone agrees to, then. Now, in California, Governor Gavin Newsom has some bills stacking up on his desk because he still hasn't signed the ones that I mentioned last week. Right. Now there's two more. One of them is a bill that prohibits employers from asking job applicants about prior pot use. And the other one changes how plants are tracked, you know, seed to sale, by eliminating the single-use tags. 
Ah, uh, because they're bad for environment. Bad yeah. for environment. Exactly. Wow. It's like you've seen this playbook before. Well, I said that from the start as far as just stop tagging these plants, stop tracking them at all. But I don't know, man. Basically, they're just saying, well, yeah, I would love to see them stop being tracked. This whole damn system of tracking is yeah. so creepy. Like the but- mandated, the mandated reported type tracking i mean you can tell me where you grew it and right. how long ago you planted it and that type of shit and you but- do it in a database you don't need to tag every single plant you say like i'm growing 33 jack hair plants yeah, right now this is the batch that started this day you know you don't have to get all that deep with it mm, that's the problem after every single plant and every single mag yeah they want the nitty-gritty there like just lay back man let's put some fucking plants no not in a regulated market, baby. Regulation is, you know, let who you want in and that's it. And then we tell you everything else and it's under full control of someone. We're keeping the consumer safe, you know. Oh, yeah. Real fucking safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've always had our safety in mind. That's for sure. <laughs> it's probably the only reason we're still alive at all, if you think about it. <laughs> we owe them our lives. Nah. <laughs> because then you end up in a situation like this. I have another clip, and this time it comes from West Hartford, Connecticut. I'm reading it in the newspaper like if I'm some time big drug dealer manufacturer, and I'm just some guy who's a medical patient trying to grow their own, trying to get the relief that they need. On Thursday, 39-year-old Luke Kist was arrested in his West Hartford home, charged with possession and possession with intent to distribute, after police say that they received a complaint about marijuana being grown in his backyard. Police say they seized about 31 marijuana plants. The cops are also counting... The fact that I had these tiny little sprouts that I was just trying to cut myself, stick them in the soil, trying to root them. Kist admits to growing the marijuana, but says that he had no intention of selling it. He says it was all for him. I require a lot more than most people require. I smoke probably about two ounces a week, and it becomes extremely expensive. I think a lot of people, including a lot of students I deal with, think it's just legal, period, end of discussion. Uh, but it's not. University of New Haven <laughs> criminal justice no professor Mike Lawler says in Connecticut, growing marijuana is legal, but there are certain guidelines. You have to be over 21 years old. Uh, number two, uh, you have to grow it indoors, not outside, not in the yard like this guy was. And number three, you're limited to a total of six plants, three mature three immature. Ugh. If there's another uh, person in the household that's over 21, that can add a, an additional six plants, but no more than 12. I would have known the law is better and it was black and white in my face. I would have then been like, no, it's not worth it to grow outdoors. But despite all of this, he still has to go through the legal process. It's extremely, extremely stressful. No shit. I'm stressed out just hearing about it. I know, but it fucking breaks my heart, dude, because this guy put some seeds in the ground in his backyard and some asshole fucking called him in on it. Get marijuana in the yard next and then, door. Yeah, you know what they call him? A manufacturer. That was like the first thing he said. Yeah, they, manufacturing. You're manufacturing weed. It's so fucked up, dude. No, he grew some plants yeah. in his backyard. <laughs> it's a plant seed in the ground, you jackasses. He owns. It's his land. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, this is Connecticut. And I hated that condescending prick fucking professor there 
He's like, oh, this guy, you know, he didn't know the laws. I would say most, maybe not most, but many people are ignorant of the nitty-gritty of the laws. I mean, look at what they passed in the oh, show-me yeah. state here. It sucks. Well, the the guy there, he said... Uh, if I had known... Some student... Well, no, the, the professor, he was saying oh. that students he talked to think that weed is just legal no matter what across the board. No, weed is just illegal no matter what across the board. Yes. This is the actual state of affairs right now. Federally illegal. Correct. Schedule one on the Controlled Substances mm-hmm. Act, which is as as fucking illegal as it gets. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> it doesn't go higher than Schedule yeah. one. There's a memo in play keeping all that, you know, back behind a dam, but that's that's just a fucking understanding. That's just a agreement of understanding that could change at any time. Yeah, exactly. Now, this guy does have an attorney, which is good news because he didn't know anything about the law, so I was a little worried. You know, like, oh, he's going and representing himself, maybe. No, he has an attorney, and his court date is September 28th. I'm just so sick of people being persecuted for growing plants. I mean, if that makes me crunchy, then oh well. Like, maybe I'm a fucking hippie. I think you should be able to grow what you could. Oh, it's a plant? You should be welcome to grow it. Not yeah. legal advice, obviously, because well, there's these laws in place. God gave us all the seed-bearing plants, man. But the fruit-bearing we live, trees. But we live in a society, that's Spence. The, it's the first. <laughs> it's in the first chapter of the book, dude. The first. Ay, ay. It's the very first thing that happens. And this is the, we get the plants, right? Yeah. And the trees. That's our shit. <laughs> Just like the stories of cops weighing full stocks of hemp and counting it as pounds of marijuana <laughs> oh, on people's no. records, oh, they God. took his little sprouts, his little clips, clippings, oh, cuttings, no. and they're counting them as full plants. You know, oh, this guy has 31 plants. Oh, yeah. No, they're I'm writing, sure he- oh, these are eight immature plants. And, uh, they showed a picture of his backyard. He had six big plants. And guess what? Already breaking the law because you have three mature and three immature. So three. Well, mature doesn't mean how big they are, man. It just means they have uh, ovaries. Oh, okay. Well, he might have been working with six immature then because I didn't see no buds. Buds. But that word is stupid. I mean, (laughs) legally defined mature and immature then. Say that. Damn it. I hate this. And I just don't want to see this happening anymore. It makes me sad, <laughs> okay? Like, that guy was legitimately distressed. He just needs his two ounces a week, man. Like, yeah, just let him grow plants. on, he needs let, it. Leave it's him alone. Medicine. Let him grow plants. Yeah. Leave him alone. He's not hurting anybody. Yeah, and stop making him sound like a bad, big, bad drug dealer bastard in the stop news. Stop calling the cops on people you don't even know. Oh, that too. Who aren't hurting you or bothering you in any way. Just leave people alone. That part is the worst part. Yeah. You sick, sick fox. Clean up your own fucking house, man. Yeah, don't throw stones. Come on. Christ. It's gonna come back and hit you in the head. Hey, yeah, yeah. Oh. In Florida, there are activists who are actively gathering signatures now for medical patients to be able to home grow, which, you know, they should have been able to when medical was passed, but we are pushing forward shitty laws and saying, well, it's a step in the right direction. Of course. So we're supposed to clap. You're supposed to be grateful. 
Right. For these little fucking crumbs. Yeah, grateful that you can grow three immature and three mature. When you have to give 10% to the big guy, you're supposed to say, thank you, daddy. Ugh, no. Never. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you, dad. (laughs) Anyway. They need 880,000 signatures by January, and they are relying on volunteers. That's dark. That's bleak in my book. But they've made sure that every single dispensary has their petition, so I don't know. We'll see. What I don't like about this, okay, they've got the caregivers baked in there, so caregivers and patients can grow their own. But then dig this line. The Department of Health shall establish regulations for the amount. I don't like that at all. No, I hate it. You are going to put that in the hands of a friggin' Department of Health? Like, oh my gosh. That's stupid. I know stupid is my word of the evening, (laughs) but that's um, irresponsible. It's irresponsible. There should not be plant limits. You're growing plants, right? Like, what space do you have? Go ahead. Use it. Grow your plants. Yeah. And they don't say anything about having to be indoors or outdoors, so that's up to the, de- the department also. <laughs> oh, I just don't like it. But here I am. I know. I just shit on all of the petitions, and <laughs> if it's up to me, I guess we'll just never get state legal nothing, and it'll just be illegal forever. But whatever. That's what we're used to, and it's still federally legal, as we said, so... You just got to keep pushing until it's all the way free. Mm. Can't get one thing passed and say, all right, job's done. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> job's never done, damn it. <laughs> uh. No, not as long as someone can call the telephone and make the cops come get you because you have some weed plants in your backyard. No, we're clearly not done yet. Cripes. Horrible. We're not free yet. Yeah. Well, an interesting thing happened in Massachusetts this week. The top state regulator, Shannon O'Brien, was suspended from her role um, as part of the Cannabis Control Commission. And she's only been there for a year. She was removed by the state treasurer, Deborah Goldberg, um, and there's no reason why publicly stated you know they're not telling anyone why even though the media has been inquiring into it uh now shannon o'brien is a former state treasurer and a one-time gubernatorial nominee gooby goober Uh, she was gonna she was running i think she ran against mitt romney that didn't work out for her Hmm. but yeah they're not saying why she was removed uh The Cannabis Control Commission right now is in the middle of finalizing a bunch of regulatory changes, and they're also trying to settle the host community agreement debacle, which has gone down in the state. That, of course, is uh, communities can impose higher taxes on dispensaries to pay for the extra law enforcement that they need and whatever because, oh, people are selling weed here now. They never have sold weed here before. And God forbid it's legally, but whatever. Um, So Shannon O'Brien, though, has been caught up in quite a mess because in July she told the media, maybe uh, unknowingly, she mentioned to the media, she mentioned to someone who got it into the media, that the longtime executive director of the Cannabis Control Commission, a guy by the name of Sean Collins, 
said that he was going to quit in September because he wants to spend time with his newborn. Mm. Uh, he's still there. And all he has said to the public is, oh, I don't know what the future holds in store for me. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's up on the table. Maybe he said that to her in private, but he's not going to admit to it. Um, and weeks after O'Brien was appointed to the commission, uh, they had to remand an application from a certain Greenfield Greenery, which is a proposed outdoor grow, where O'Brien was the chief executive and 50% owner. Hi-yo. So then the agency's enforcement team had to come in and clear her of violating disclosure regulations, and it put staffers in a weird situation because they had to investigate their own boss. Right. She did recuse herself from the vote when it finally came, uh, and Greenfield Greenery was given a license. But think about that. Wouldn't it be awkward to not give your boss the license that they're sequin- seeking, you know? Don't you feel like there might have been some retaliation in that case? I mean, uh, you know I'm the kind of person who sure. doesn't give a fuck. But people yeah. are attached to their jobs. <laughs> the average person is going to definitely give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. So it was all weird. <laughs> I just feel, I don't know. I don't feel one way or the other because I don't believe these commissions should exist. I think weed should be descheduled, not rescheduled. And there shouldn't be all this fucking oversight over a plant, you know? Oh, absolutely. But that's that's just what I think. <laughs> now, I bring some sad news to the bowl tonight. Oh, no. Uh, it was breaking news today. Uh, Michigan's legalization activist, Dale Rick Thompson, has died at the oh, age man. of 57. Um, just three months ago, he kind of publicly stated that he was diagnosed with colon cancer. Mm-hmm. And I heard that he did pass away peacefully at home, surrounded by those who love him, which is the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has been a part of the Michigan legalization scene forever. Yeah, He was there when they decriminalized weed after passing medical in 2008. And then, of course, he was part of the recreational team in 2018 um and you know in michigan everyone can grow 12 plants and no one's being raided anymore so that's pretty good man he's a hero i don't hear a lot of bitching about michigan and i don't see a lot of people being put behind bars for plants yeah which is better than kinetic fucked yeah definitely or here where they say oh if you grow you have to consent that the government can come in and check in on any time fuck you yeah. You know, Michigan did a pretty damn good job. I know there's some hiccups. Legalization sucks. Regulation sucks. But for what it is, they did good. And Rick was a fucking hilarious guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know he was, he had a podcast for a minute, but um, retrospectively, I believe he probably left because he got sick. That yeah. was the Jazz Cabbage Cafe podcast, if anyone's interested. So, yeah, fuck cancer. No doubt. Great dude. Definitely going to be sorely missed by the movement as a large Yeah, definitely. Collective. DC lobbying. That's my only run-in with him. Mm-hmm. But everyone there is bigger than life. Yeah, definitely. And come on, it's a bunch of pot smokers. <laughs> like, ooh, let's get this plague. And lawyers who are like, okay, but let's keep it real. A step in the right direction. And me being way too hippy dippy for their asses. <laughs> oh 
much. But tomato model, though. You guys. <laughs> well, you know. We can dream. Yeah, exactly. Fucking decentralized anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, another Rick was in the news from Michigan, and that's former Speaker Rick Johnson, who was also the chair of the now-defunct Michigan Medical Marijuana Licensing Board. Seems like he might have received some bribes for some <laughs> oh, medical no. licenses, according to the feds. Say it ain't so. Uh, cash payments, private jet travel, thousands of dollars worth of time with a sex worker. There it is. I was going to say, when are yeah. they sucking the pee-pee? Yep. Yeah. Some whore <laughs> didn't get paid. For thousands of dollars worth of services to this man. <sighs> he go crazy sex fiend. Yep. Allegedly, allegedly, of course. And um, <laughs> so Johnson, which is a fitting name here, and three others have Hey-o. been charged. And those three others pled guilty to federal corruption charges in this bribery scheme. Johnson is holding out. Um, but, you know, if if they can prove him guilty with all these things they're uh, charging him with, he would face at least 71 months in prison and pay a fine of $110,200, which is equal to the amount of bribes they are attributing to him. Woof. So the maximum would be 10 years in prison and $250,000 in fines, but you know politicians never get the max. Right. Or I should say... The pattern shows that politicians don't ever face the maximum sentence. Yeah. uh, There could always be an exception to that rule. So Possibly. Possibly. In Minnesota, the Supreme Court finally ruled that the smell of weed alone does not establish probable cause. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Now that's a step in the right direction. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a step in the right direction after all After all, it's a step in the right direction It's a step in the right direction after all Yeah, this revolved a case, or involved a case from 2021 where a man was pulled over for having too many lights on his car's grill Okay And when he rolled down the window, the officer said, boy, it smells like pot And then he called in a second officer who said, boy, it smells like pot and they forced the man and his wife and child out of the car to search it because they said that the smell of weed was you know, a probable cause. And they ended up finding a small amount of meth and paraphernalia to go along with that meth. Not weed, coincidentally. Shit. Um, so the lower court ruled that that search was inadmissible because medical weed was legal at that time in the state. Nice. Uh, and so they appealed And subsequently, it went before the Supreme Court, where they affirmed the lower court's decision. Yeah. Smell of pot alone does not establish probable cause. That's right. I know the chat is thinking, let me guess, they took the kid. But luckily, I did not hear that the kid was taken away. So I think this this is one that wasn't as horribly fucked as many of the other bull stories you hear. Which is good. We need those every once in a while. Yeah. Now, here you might not be surprised to find out that the Kansas City, Missouri City Council voted to add 3% sales tax to weed. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, 
funnel that money to a group called Aim for Peace, and that's the digit for, um, to fight violent crime. Because what do you want to do with weed revenue? Fight violent crime with it. How? Well, you right get now. big, big buckets of weed and you blow it through a leaf blower at the criminals. Yeah. Oh, man. All the violent criminals, boom, you hit it with the weed smoke boom, right to the face. Yeah, that's how you fight violent crime with weed money. <laughs> you just funnel it into the vents of every house in the ghetto. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, trying to think of where the violent crime really happens. I guess downtown there's some, and, and there's a lot of drive-by shootings Yeah, is what's going on here. So put it in the vehicles. Yeah, there you go. Hot box but then, all over They'd be driving high, and oh, see, but it works out perfectly for them because then they can pull them over for driving high, <laughs> even though they planted the weed there. Not if they just smell it, man. Mm, just the smell alone. Not if they just smell it, man. Well, they already gave four hundred and fifty thousand dollars to this group to clean up neighborhoods, help the homeless, and uh, curb violence, as previously stated. Although they don't have a plan of action on how they're going to do these things. So color me skeptical again. Um, But what this really pays for is for this group to add two new teams of five people. So that's 10 salaries. And now, starting October 1st, if you buy legal weed in Kansas City, Missouri, you're going to be getting slapped with an additional 6% tax. Because Jackson County voters... Wanted 3% so bad, and here you got the city council adding their 3% for the city. Wham, bam, doubling the taxes. Oofs. Because they can. You know why they can? Because what we put in the Constitution sucks. (laughs) Yeah. So they can, and they estimate that they're going to be taking in $3 million a year thanks to these taxes. Wow. And yet, no mention of the roads. No, not maroons. No, my violent crime. Well. If there was a solution for that, I think they would have tried it by now. I have found that money doesn't actually curb violent crime. It tends to increase it. I would uh, drive on bumpy roads if there was no violent crime. If that was a trade-off, I'd take it. Oh, yeah. Same. That would be cool. But you're right, yeah, this money isn't going to stop violent crime. Right, and then it's like, if the violence stops, then they don't need the money. So there, is there really a benefit to them ending the violence? Really mm. makes you think, man. Mm. That's the, my problem. I think too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nebraska, their medical weed initiatives are kicking off these signature gathering campaigns and they started with fundraisers because of course they lost key funding. Um, unfortunately the last go around, but Hey, maybe the third time is not just two times after the first time. Maybe the third time is the charm for Nebraskans for medical marijuana. Mm? They need, they have their two separate petitions to get around the single subject challenge that they, uh, were destroyed by that one time. Um, and they just need 87,000 signatures on each. Um, I hope they get there. I'd love to see Nebraska get medical, you know, because here we have the governor up there saying, Whoa, think of the children. We can't have legal weed. And yet there are moms on the front lines with their fucking 
kids in wheelchairs having seizures in front of these politicians Mm -hmm. who need medical weed to stop seizing out all the damn time. So, yeah, think of the children. Think of the children who could benefit from this. Fuck. Nebraska. They don't want to think about the children. I learned this week that Nebraska is one of two states where midwifery is prohibited. Mm. So they don't think of the children at all. Yeah, they hate the children. Yeah. And they hate moms, too, for what it's worth. Because it's moms on the front line of this medical campaign, and it has been the whole time. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. (sighs) Nebraska and Idaho, I just want to punch them. (laughs) Look at those moms out there fighting still, and you just turn your back to them. Anyway, Leafly is suing New York because New York is banning third-party weed marketers. And Leafly, of course, is a platform. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of like we have them for restaurants and such. Yeah. You know, they allow anyone who wants to look up pot to look up pot there and then find places where they can buy it or order it and get it delivered. Um, yeah, they're one of those. It's like, it's like pot Yelp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of. So October 4th is the tentative date where this regulation would go into effect. So they got the lawsuit in early to hopefully curb it. Um, but, you know, I don't know, New York is just filled with roadblocks right now and their journey to legalization can't give out any licenses at the moment because of that lawsuit and now might not be able to implement regulations that they passed a while ago because of this lawsuit yeah but good fuck them right (laughs) exactly and i don't even give a crap about leafly it's like i don't use platforms all that much protocol not platform man yeah man (laughs) bitch you're a database man you decentralize and stuff man Decentralize. Yeah. Oklahoma Supreme Court uh, declined taking up a case which challenged the increased medical weed business licensing fees. Um, It's pretty messed up. So this whole time in Oklahoma, dispensaries, growers, processors, and testing labs have paid a flat $2,500 fee per year. A troll toll, if you will. Yeah. Now... They want to base the fee on the size of your operation. If you're a processor, up to $20,000 annually. If you're a dispensary, up to $10,000 annually. And if you're a testing lab, sorry to tell you, but it's a flat 20 grand every year. All cash, baby. As if they didn't make enough money when you have to renew your licenses or when you applied in the first place with a non-refundable fee. Gross. I like money. Uh, skipping over to Philadelphia. I know I go around the states in alphabetical orders. Um, the city council there overrode the mayor's veto on a bill which would have prevented medical dispensaries from selling recreational if and when recreational ever passes. So, um, the mayor said, hey, we only want, uh, dispensaries selling recreational in certain parts of the city. Which seems pretty messed up. Yes. But since they overrode it, the mayor came back swinging, saying, well, that's fine. We'll just impose regulations that conflict with the bill's provisions, and we'll just add, we'll limit you to five additional dispensaries, and we're only going to allow them to be in two of the ten council districts. (laughs) So he's not going to lose anyway, even though they overrode his veto on this whole thing. Wow. And one last story for Behind the Curtain tonight. Coming from Virginia. And I've brought a clip. 
Ooh, Virginia clips. General Assembly passed a law supported by Attorney General Jason Meares making it illegal to sell any hemp products with more than a trace amount of THC. Mm. So Hemp Industry and User Coalition decided to sue. The first plaintiff is Rose Lane, who is an 83-year-old woman. Uh, she relies on hemp products for pain relief, for going prescription meds that don't work as well and also have bad side effects. There is no consensus of medical studies showing health benefits of the common hemp THC product Delta 8. Man, well, fuck Governor your Glenn Youngkin's office declined Man, to comment on ongoing studies. litigation. In a previous interview with WUSA 9, Miara's explained his reason for advocating for the ban. You can't market these with animals or products that are clearly aimed at children. They call them copycat THCs. Lane and other hemp farmers and sellers plan to make their stand in Virginia rather than move away. I was thinking of having to move into D.C. myself, and I kind of Fuck pulled that. back on moving into D.C. because I figured that standing up and fighting for this year in my homeland was going to be worth it just to keep all of the customers that are in rural Virginia filled with their needs of the cannabis products. Hell yeah. And all I want to say about this is that after the recent federal lawsuit we talked about last bowl in Arkansas, which succeeded in at least pausing the state's ban of THC and hemp altogether, I think they got a good chance. I'm rooting for them. September 29th, that's their court date. So next week is busy. 27th, we got the Safe Banking Act. 28th, that Connecticut guy goes to court. And 29th, we hear about this lawsuit for the first time in court. And that's all I've got for behind the curtain tonight. Just loading you up. (laughs) That was a load, the full load. A full bowl for you. (laughs) We've been fully loaded tonight, that's for sure. Oh, now, now. A lot to catch up on, you know. A lot's going on, including a little bit of metal for a moment from the one and only Rev Cyber Trucker. Would you like to hear what he has in store for us this week? I would indeed. Here it's coming. In the bowl and in the morning. This here is Sir Reverend Cybertrucker and Kenny and Grogu with this week's Metal Moment. I'm going to step away from covers for a minute and bring you a fairly new release from one of my favorite bands. Butcher Babies is one of those bands that manages to thrive with two different vocalists. Not to mention that they're both smoking hot but they managed to pull their bands along with their voices alone. Introduced to me by my oldest daughter, this has become one of my favorites. Releasing two albums at the same time in July of 2023, the number of tracks for both of these albums numbers up to 21. From the second album, Till the World's Blind, this is Butcher Babies, Red Thunder. No! 
Butcher Babies action. Yeah. They seem fun. I would see them. Hell yeah. Lady metal vocalists are always a great time. Oh, definitely. Now, my brain goes, is it Butcher Babies, like babies who butcher, or is it like verb, go butcher babies? We'll never know. Who cares? Let's go see them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, them, Maria Brink. There's some hotties in uh, the world of metal. No doubt. Well, thanks, Rev, for bringing the hot the hot metal. And uh, you can follow along with the Rev's exploits. He's over at noagendasocial.com, at Rev Cybertrucker, bringing us that metal moment of value every week. We appreciate you, Rev. Yeah, thank you, Rev. You rock. Uh, you know who else rocks is all the bowlers out there. Give us a call at 816-607-3663. We play a little game each and every week, uh, and we call that game... The first house. The first time I ever. First time I ever did a thing. The thing changes every week. This week, it's the first time I ever died in a dream. You ever died in a dream? I have. You remember, want me to go first? Remember the first time? I do, because it's only once Yeah. for me. I've only ever died in a dream once. And I was very young. This is one of the first nightmares I remember. And I would say true nightmare because the first nightmare I can think of is getting locked out of Santa's house oh, in the no. North Pole. And that's just kind of pathetic. That's a nightmare. Really a nightmare. Yeah, it was like I had a, a guilt complex, I guess, where I was like, oh, I'm a bad kid and he won't let me in. Let and in, really, I was the goodest. So anyway, <laughs> this nightmare was terrifying. I was being, in my dream, in my dream, let me preface it with that, mm -hmm. I was being chased around the outdoor garden center of a Walmart by a cloaked and hooded figure, shadowy and mysterious, and the moonlight was shining down, and I could just keep catching a glint of light from this dagger that they were holding out, just dark and scary, basically floating cloak following me around, chasing me around the dang nabbing garden center of walmart you guys but there was nothing out it was like fall and there was nothing out there and i was locked in because you know how they have those bars out there i guess they just don't want you to leave that way because you could easily steal things i don't know so i just ended up getting cornered against the bars it's like my escape was so viewable and yeah i just couldn't get there and then the tall figure uh was there had me in the corner there's like a creepy laugh and the dagger gets raised and just comes down on me hard and i get hit like right in the heart and it fucking hurt real bad and there was some blood coming out it wasn't like spewing or nothing i <laughs> my brain was like wow that was actually like rather not a blood spurt i was expecting a spurt of blood but it was just kind of trickling out okay and uh I don't know what they said to me. I don't remember. I try to block it out, I guess, you know. But then everything got really warm, and I started seeing colors uh, as I was bleeding out in this dream. Warm colors, too, like pinks and oranges and yellows. And my vision faded into those colors. And then I woke up. And that was the first and only time I've ever died in a dream. Damn. Yeah. Oh, I got stabbed a few more times, too, on the way out, but there was, a, like, a point where, like, the warmth just took over instead of the pain I was perceiving. So that was 
fun. Not. <laughs> Fuck Walmart. Those colors, man. Yeah. There's something about those colors. Yeah, it reminds me of that song. I'm not afraid to die because all those colors will change mm-hmm. or something like that. That's it. Uh, Portugal it, the man. Yeah. Coincidentally played on the pre-stream today, too. Yeah. Well, do you like to check the voicemail? Cause oh, some, I would love to. Some bowlers have been dreaming, too. I don't hope that anyone died in a dream, but I would like to hear about it if you had. Like memes Leet boosted in about. Yeah, exactly. Or like this caller. Oh, man. Oh, man. Given the height question, I mean, clearly Lauren always bumps her head because she's so tall. <laughs> um, well, that was the last first time. I'm like a makeup. Probably a little taller. And, uh,. So yeah, watching watching your heads, it's, it's a thing. Um, my brother and my parents are both tall too, so brother's a little taller, and uh, you know, so yeah, you gotta you, you pay attention to the height of things more, you know. Um, I'll duck underneath of something else, and my wife just walks right underneath, like a branch or something, taking a walk, you know. But uh, yeah, short uh, privilege. But actually hitting your head on the ceiling. Um. I mean, maybe if we're up on, like, a ladder or something, or I'm up on a ladder or whatever and, like, forget, like, oh, yeah, I'm up higher than I than I thought or something. Um was on a scissor lift the other day, and sometimes and you're watching out for bumping your head on HVAC or the ceiling or whatever sort of thing. Um, but usually it's, like, just corners. Um, one time I was, a, I was doing some work at a hotel, and uh, I, I ran into the room and uh, kind of like, it was like the end of the day, I ran into the room and like jumped up and uh, thought I'd, anyway, but the, the little piece of metal that it has for the lock in the doorway, um, does that make sense? Like where, yeah, the, yeah, like it was like double doors and there's a little piece of metal where the doors come together and, and the top of the doorway. And yeah, like the French door. I my head real good on that. Oh. And then uh, also like I fall to the ground. I'm just like out of instinct and like got blood on my head and whatnot. But uh, that comes yeah. to mind. Absolutely yeah, bonked. Plenty of times being tall, just whack your head in the corners of, usually like I said, doorways or something where there's like some little crawl space or whatever. But uh, it's always funny when, you're the tallest and you're the one that's like crawling in an attic or, or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, probably the first time though, just to be technical would probably, which I don't even remember, but I'm sure it was something like my dad picking me up cause he's tall and I'm sure picking him, picking me up or something. and like lifting me up and like hitting my head on the ceiling. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm, yeah. Just playful like, you know? So anyway, <laughs> Bonk. that's it. I missed the thing. I'm sorry. The week got confused. I oh. apologize. I'll be better next oh, time. Oh, you're but great. Week late. You're killing it. Late answer, but uh, strong late. That dangerous sand. Whether or not uh, you're holding it or you're not, go ahead and give a hearty. Hey, strong, strong late, not weak late. True. Um, Chad is asking how tall is Kakala? I believe he said like six four ish, probably a little taller. Ooh, that's what he said. Thank you, Kakala. Always good to hear from you. I'm pretty sure that I've only had one, two that was vivid enough to remember. Now, I definitely have experienced it like more than once. There's only one way that I remember enough to be able to tell it. Mm. Other than some generalities, you know. And uh, it was in college. I think it was like my freshman year, but I was sleeping in the dorms. I had this dream that I was on like some World War II battlefield. Mm. And I was just in like a... 
American military uniform. We were on this like ridge that was surrounding a some kind of German encampment or bunker kind of thing, like a stone b- building. And we were like out of ammo. It was like it was damn near a castle, pretty much. It was like castly looking. Okay, but we were uh, out of ammo or out of shit, and they were all coming around. And so we were like, mm. we were like in a position of we had to play dead kind of thing. So I was like face down the grass. I'm just face down the grass, and these boots come and they walk up to me, and then they stay up. They like stand by my head a little for a little while, and then just fucking blam right in the back of the head. Oh no! Executed, because he knew I was faking it. And then yeah, there was like a weird like ring of my ears ringing, and then like, but immediately when that bullet went through my head and my out my face, just like a rainbow splat too hmm. across my vision. And then everything turned like you're saying to colors and all kinds of weirdness. Like, uh, oh, that's weird that you also had the warm color thing. Like closed eyes visuals of all kinds of, you know, yeah, total acid peak type rainbow visuals. Yeah. Now, when you had that dream, had you already taken acid? Was this post acid? I think it was. Damn it! I don't really remember. Because I was. About- I think post. Okay, I was about six when I had my dream, so mine was definitely pre-acid. But I, it was like, like I'm saying, I've died in other dreams. Uh, oh, that's just your most memorable but that's one. the one I can, like, even that, it's not really that great of telling it, you know? Yeah. Because I'm trying to put my memory back in a dream. But there's definitely other ones. Yeah, that's wild. Most of the time, though, like, you get in a situation where you're about to die and you wake up. Yes, most of the times. Yes. It doesn't go further than that. Like, I've been pursued uh, by a helicopter and shot from a helicopter. I think it was just like a remnant of a Grand Theft Auto type dream, you know? <laughs> yeah. Playing too much of that shit. Mm. You ever wonder if that death dream was someone's, like, last memory? I don't know, man. Dreams are very weird. They sure are. Dreams are weird. Sometimes I wonder if somebody else is testing you from afar. Or sometimes I wonder. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like the dream is more of the simulation. What if this part's the dream and then we can finally go to sleep and actually be in real life after the show? Huh? Uh, huh? We'll never know. Well, I'll never know for sure. Uh, this next caller was the last caller. Hold on. Man, I should I should uh, listen to my own words by leaving a vocal mail during the week instead of waiting until the day of. There you the go. He's, but, he's yeah. right in his wrong. On See? One of those, uh, Strong late. Strongly. What did I tell you? Like 15-hour day or something like that. Uh, so, hoorah. Hoorah. But, uh, yeah, anyway, just saw, I was in the car, didn't passenger, and didn't have time to leave a vocal mail. Well, I mean, I could have, but I've been old doing that in the car. So, anyway, uh, first time with the dying in a dream. Yeah, I've never died in a dream. Never? Um, never ever? My dreams... I seldom dream, hmm. and I think only once or twice have I had, like, a really weird dream. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember I was I told my, I don't know if she was at the time or not, but my wife, uh, uh, like, oh, I had a weird dream, but still didn't remember it. And, uh, yeah, it's boring, man. I think we've had dream questions on here before. Probably. Not it was Hawk Story. But, uh Oh. Yeah, my dreams are always just like one group of people with another group of people that wouldn't normally be together. Oh, yeah. Um, so it'd be like, I don't know, like 
usually not work stuff, but like some friends and some people from church or something like that. I don't know. And, uh, I'd just be like at the same place. And like, that was it. So like my church friends in the nudist club, my dreams. So <laughs> juxtaposed. maybe I just think crazy enough thoughts that I don't need to dream crazy thoughts. You ever thought about that? Stop judging me, man. Stop <laughs> judging me. <laughs> it's no judgment. Zone. I'm just acting chaotic. Okay. That's fine. All right. Well, <laughs> DeLorean, Spencer, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you. And uh, Love you, Christopher Battles. Major condolences, Sir, Sir Spencer and you guys. And uh, Thanks, brother. Yeah. Everybody impacts everybody different and uh, just relationships and stuff. But I guess the thing that can look at as positive as far as uh, your grandpa and just uh, somebody uh, you want to admire. So that's, yeah. that's at least a good thing. Anyway, all right. I love you guys. Stay dangerous and uh, stay active. And, you know, if it's 79 degrees in the house with the windows open and the AC on, or it's not, go ahead and give a hearty cacao. Double cause tonight. Two cause. Getting two cause stoned at once right there, my <laughs> hey. man. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, we got some titles too. All right. All right, all right. All we need is a next week's F-tie. Oh, I've got a list. First time I ever had cornbread or quiche. First time I ever got waxed. First time I ever had Korean barbecue. First time I ever took a cold plunge. First time I ever exited a moving vehicle. First time I ever took a cold plunge. <laughs> yeah. Ask C-dubs about it. First time I ever fell out of bed. He just writes the first times. He never contributes, though. <laughs> Hey, what's up with that? Mm, first time I ever fell out Maybe of bed. Maybe this is his never have I ever list. Um, definitely. Yeah. First time I ever almost died. First time I ever bonked my head while wearing a hard hat. First time Ooh. I ever been shot at. First time I ever got a shot in the ass. And first time I ever had a recurring dream. I like cold plunge. <laughs> I just like saying cold plunge. I just like saying cold plunge. Okay, well, there you go. Next week. We want to hear from you about the first time you ever took a cold plunge. All you have to do is pick up your phone and call 816-607-3663. That's right. And uh, now all we have to do is... Uh... Yeah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Yeah, let's go bowling. That's what the show is all about anyway, bowling. That's right. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just getting warmed up. Just getting warmed up. I'm feeling it tonight. Well, look out for this next story. Okay. Because it didn't make my top 533. <laughs> <laughs> a couple was driving through Callaway County, Kentucky. Uh -oh. oh, no, just kidding. A, a couple was at home in Callaway County, Kentucky. Yeah, it's already worse. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they were just at home in their own home. Yeah, okay. and then they got that knock-knock with a warrant. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. So their home gets searched. The The man is 33 years old. Of course he The is. woman's 32. Well, unfortunately for them, the sheriffs found... 33 pounds of weed in their house, and you were just not allowed to have that much weed, slave. Damn, them's numbers, though. What really got me in this article, yeah, 33 pounds, 33 years old. <laughs> that was probably the bad magic combination. You're just right flirting there, you with know? too much danger at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
No. Too what, close to the sun, Icarus. Gotta they, back off the numbers. It wasn't just weed that they found. And of course, trafficking more than five pounds of weed is bad news bears in Kentucky. Um, but they also found THS vapes and wax. Now, have you ever heard of THS? I believe it's a typo in the article. I believe the, I've not. the person meant THC. The only I've thing I THC, could... I've heard THC. I've heard THX. Yes, but THS. All I could find was thyroid-stimulating hormone, but in the form of va- vapes and wax? It's got to be THC, and they had a fumble finger on it. Goofity. Like, you get paid to write the news, and someone gets paid to be your editor, and yet... Shit like this slips by article after article. T H S. So goofy. Vapes. I'm immediately thinking VHS tapes. <laughs> They've got dyslexia. THS vapes. Someone from the past has accidentally typed out the future. Oh my. Nice. And as if the 33 pounds of weed and THS vapes and wax wasn't bad enough, they also had LSD and illicit pills. No detail there on the illicit pills, but we know that's scary. These people sound hella cool. Gotta go to jail. They gotta go to jail. You gotta go to jail, too, because I know you probably have some weed in that house. God damn it. This is why we all need that uh, <laughs> welcome mat that Nam has. It doesn't matter in his case, right? No, I know, but at least someone could get a chuckle out of it, maybe. Probably <laughs> not. It just says, come back with a warrant. Yeah, Everyone I, needs that. Every good American should have that welcome mat. But they did. They had a warrant. They searched the house. It sucks. It's always a bad story when the house is getting searched. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's something in your house, Bowler, that you wouldn't want the authorities to see, even if it's just that rainwater you're collecting out back. Or whatever that thing is on the back of your left testicle. What is up with that? Ooh. Hand me that blue shirt over there. Ooh. <laughs> <Come> on, Bowler. <laughs> oh, another magic number story, just a warning. In India, the cabinet approved the Women Reservation Bill, granting 33% of seats to women in the Indian Parliament. Yeah. Hooray for women. That counts at both the lower house and the state assemblies. They gotta make room for bitches. I thought it was interesting they had to carve it out in a bill. Women just aren't able to get in there, so they have to say, we have to allow 33% to be women. They've been trying to pass this bill since 1996. So, and they also, uh, in this bill, it's written in that there's a sub-reservation within the 33% quota for scheduled casts, scheduled casts, my man, scheduled tribes and Anglo-Indians. Scheduled casts. India be wild, bro. Dude. Yeah, and they're like, okay, we don't want you in the majority, but we will carve out 33% of 33% We need at least two untouchables. Yeah. (laughs) As representatives. That's all I know pretty much about Indian history is the caste system, and the untouchables is what I definitely remembered because I thought, holy shit, that's horrible. (laughs) It's fucking wild. They got lepers out on the street, and they won't even touch them. Oh, well. 
But now you are welcome in the parliament. In fact, well, you're not really welcome, but we have to have you. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're force quoted in. It's not like, you know, we're happy to have you or you got elected, but you, you're force quoted in, man. We still won't touch you, though. Get your fucking ass in here. <laughs> Sit over there. Yeah, don't far touch away anybody. from me. Don't even touch the desk, damn it. And don't drink out of the water fountain. We were kind of freaked out about that, too. Cover that seat in a towel. I'm sorry, a sarong. Cover the seat in a sarong. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, reserved seats are to be rotated following each general election to ensure a fair and equitable distribution, CNBC writes. Yeah, well. Here's another Billy Bones story. Thank you, Billy Bones, by the way. The United States authorities have returned 33 looted antiquities to Cambodia. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. That's how the headline reads. The plethora of 33s this week. Mm-hmm. I told you, they were overflowing. It was hard to handle. So these antiquities um, belong to the late art collector and guy who made a bunch of money off of Southern Union, George Lindemann. And his family, after his passing, decided to hand the artifacts over to authorities because they knew they were stolen out of Cambodia back in the day. Uh, how antiquity are these artifacts? Well, they come from the 10th and 12th century, it's believed. Uh, there was a statue of Vishnu and Lakshmi. There were also six heads of demons and angels that had been removed from a gate in Cambodia. That's gotta be like a curse on your family, don't you think? As soon as he died, they were like, let's get these the fuck out of here. Put them back where they belong. Stealing art of deities like that. I don't know. I wouldn't want to do it. No. Um, They pointed out the two art dealers who may have originally committed the theft, and they're both dead. No surprise there. (laughs) Yeah. But all in all, since 2012, 65 antiquities have been returned to Cambodia. And it looked like most of them had ties to these two specified dealers. So that was a hell of a racket they had. Stealing carved stone and bringing it over here. Making a bunch of money off of it. Shame on you. (laughs) You sneaky bastards. Yeah, it's like, what if someone from another country came and carved up a headstones in a graveyard, you know, and then sold those. Yeah, that'd be pretty fucked up. It's disrespectful, man. It's disrespectful at the least. (laughs) Yeah. I am sure there are karmic ties here that you'll have to deal with. I don't want to, so I'm not going to find out. But someone found out this week, Varda Space Industries. Now, they have a capsule in orbit where whoever is aboard was trying to make crystals of an HIV drug, ritonavir, by utilizing the microgravity environment. And they went up in orbit June 12th, and they expected to come back down September 6th, I believe. So they sent in their request for re-entry to Earth and were denied permission by both the Air Force and the FAA. They said, no, we've got some safety concerns about your landing. 
you floating drug capsule. <laughs> I mean, it's a drug factory in space. What the hell? First orbital drug factory, I suppose, because I haven't heard about this before. Right. So um, when these the FAA and the Air Force were asked what, what regulatory requirements hadn't been met, they just responded to Varda Space Industries with a two-word email. <laughs> no comment. Wow. So they don't even know why they're not being allowed to re-enter Just the stay out there in space. Yeah. Until you're dead. And die up there in space. Now, the host, the vessel that's up there, is equipped to spend a year in space. So they have till June 12th of next year that they should be good. You know, like, God <laughs> yeah. willing, right? Hopefully. When it comes to space stuff, it's like, well, okay. Can't just jump back down to Earth. Um, but, man, they got some work to do. Try and figure out how to get back here. <laughs> it would be funny if um, the Air Force was like, you leave those drugs up there. You know, like, we know you just made them, but you got to ditch those drugs. We're not letting you back into the atmosphere with those space drugs. I don't know. Let's just all try them, man. Come on, for science. HIV drug? I don't want to get HIV from a drug man. <laughs> <laughs> and Ritonavir. I wonder who makes that. Because I'm sure Big Pharma could just put out some lobbying money to get them down, right? Yeah, you would think so. I'm trying to, a Norvir is a common brand of Ritonavir. Yeah, come on, people who make this. <laughs> Whoever paid for them to go up, you got to pay for them to come down. Got to pay to play. That's right. That's how it goes. Oh, well, one guy was hoping to get paid after he was not allowed to play. It was a distressing situation. He was distressing for me to read this article. Honestly, this is a father in Melbourne, down under. And he was suing a hospital for mental distress after being encouraged to watch his wife's C-section. Ugh. C-sections are just generally horrifying. They lay you down on a table. They put up a blue tarp so you can't see what's going on. <laughs> Wonder why they would want to block access of you seeing what's going on. Oh, it's because they're just pulling your guts out and slapping them to the side to get to your womb, and then they're going to cut the baby out. Yeah, okay. Well, anyways, he went in with his wife... <laughs> And the staff was like, go ahead, you should watch, you should watch. He said that he has incurred some serious mental distress from that and was suing for $1 billion. Oh, my God, okay. seeing her internal organs caused him to develop a psychotic illness. <laughs> All right, come on, buddy. He also did, it's worth noting, right? Like in the facts of the case, him and his wife, I believe, have divorced. They reference the eventual breakdown of his marriage, and he blames that largely on the psychotic illness he got from watching a C-section go down. I have to tell you, Spence, if I saw your innards lumped out of you onto a side table at a hospital, I wouldn't be able to unsee it. No. I would stay with you. Like I don't think it would affect our relationship in any way, but I would not be able to unsee that for sure. I would oh, yeah. be telling you about it a lot for, for sure. the first few months. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> They're in there, though, right? You you understand that. Yes, and same for me. <laughs> They're but in there. I would be telling you, like, man, you should have seen that stomach of yours. It had this lump on it in one second. Ugh, you got to yeah. get that checked out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I don't know, man. 
Through sickness and health, right? Yeah. It's part of the vows you take sometimes, when you marry someone. Sometimes in life, you have to see some fucked up shit. Yeah, yeah, life is filled uh, with fucked up shit. And sometimes in life, you get away with not seeing fucked up shit ever. But if you see the fucked up shit, you have to try and process it, you know, as best you can. And it's like, it's your burden having seen to decide, you know. Yeah. What happens next? And that was his baby. And for me, I come to this point of, well, they don't talk about why she was getting a C-section. You know, what if his wife just elected to have a C-section? She thought, I don't want to mess up my nice tight pussy. I want you to cut this baby out of me. And he, as the husband, just allowed that to happen. Well then, man, blame's on you. Yeah. For not negotiating with your wife and talking I some sense into it. Yes, there's a lot of factors going on. But yeah, the elective ones are a bit weird. Yeah. That always weirds me out. Definitely. Uh, and this all went back down back in January 2018. Uh, and I get it. I think it would... I, I get why the staff says, hey, you want to watch your baby be born. And your baby's born in a weird way. Um, so I kind of defend them on this, you know? And that's how the judge saw it, too. He saw it in favor of the hospital. He said, this lawsuit is an abusive process, and I am going to throw it out. Um, he said that there was a medical panel that looked at the psychological impact of this, and they found that his alleged injury did not satisfy the threshold level of winning a billion dollars in court. <laughs> I was going to say, a billion dollars. I fear that he was trying to win some money to pay for his divorce, you know, because divorces are expensive. A bit, bit, bit billion, though. But I do want to tell you, I just want to add this in real quick. I know it's a long show. They're trying to pull some of the horror out of C-sections with this new fandangled maternal-assisted cesareans. And what this is is when they're finally getting to the womb and ready to emerge the baby, they drop the tarp and they have the mom pull the baby out of her womb. Whoa. Dude. Do they say, ta-da? I, th I don't know what they say. That would freak me the fuck out. Because then you like, yes, I get it. You're focused on your baby because that's the exciting part. But if by chance your eye wanders to either side and how your stomach is literally torn open, I don't know. It's not going to end well for people like me. That's for sure. <laughs> Pass the fuck out right there. I would be like, someone grab the baby quick. I'm going to drop it because I am going down for the count. <laughs> uh, that might be what this homeowner thought in this next story. They heard a rattle in their garage. Went in. Have too much shit. Got to kind of kick some crap around and find where the rattling sound is coming from. This is in Arizona, mind you. Mm. Oh, yeah. There it is on the heater. A rattlesnake curled up. So, hmm, don't know how to get rid of that. Gotta call in the experts. Calls in a snake removal company, and you know what they find? What? Not one rattler. Not two rattlers. But 20 rattlesnakes in this garage. That's a badass garage. Yeah, 15 were babies. And five oh, were adults, okay. but one of the adults was also pregnant. Oh, boy. So that could have been a lot more rattlesnakes had he not heard them right then and called for help. Yeah. They were all safely relocated to the desert, if you care about rattlesnakes. Um, but they ah, said- I could have put them a little uh, glass thing and had some pretty badass boots at the end of a little bit of a while. 
that is my preferred route, that's for sure. Um, but the snake handlers here <laughs> that came in said that based on the amount of shedded skins they found, they think that there may have been up to 40 snakes there at some point. Good God. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, too many snakes for my garage, man. would definitely be emptying that garage out and snake-proofing the fuck out of it. <laughs> Probably get a flamethrower down in there. Yeah. Make sure it's all taken care of. And you know, screw the garage doors. We're just going to cement it. There's nothing coming in and out of here, man. I mean, it Full sounds lockdown. like he's just using it as decoration storage anyways. It was just filled with boxes, so. Mm. Ugh. That's how they get you. Exactly. You know what else can get you? What? Bees. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not bees. There was a 59-year-old man in Kentucky this week who was out on his front porch and saw a bag of potting soil that had been sitting there for way too long. And decided to move it. And that was his mistake. Trying to do something about it. Because inside of that bag of potting soil was bees. And they were very angry when they got it moved. (sighs) So they swarmed him and stung him. And his family uh, attempted CPR and called 911. The medics showed up and they continued with the efforts but ultimately failed. And he died. Oh, that sucks. From being attacked by... Bees, yeah. Bee death is not a great death. Mm-hmm. No, no, not the way I want to go, that's for sure. But a joyride on an excavator sure sounds like fun. Yeah. And it also sounds like something Florida man would do. And did this week. 47-year-old dude armed with a machete decided to hotwire an excavator in a storage area and then had a hard time getting it out, damaged some storage units, hit a Starbucks with it, and uh, drove it into a Walmart. So police estimate that the Walmart took nearly $2 million in damages. It looks like he just punched out the automatic doors in the front of it and kind of got stuck there. But he admitted to the cops he was on drugs. That was a bad move because just don't talk to them at all. That's what you do. Kind of admit that when you're ramming the vehicle. Yeah, probably. But hey. So he was arrested and booked, of course, on multiple charges, one of which was criminal mischief, which is a fun charge. (laughs) I just feel like if criminal mischief is included, then you did something right. You had a good time, (laughs) right? Like a good time was had. And they admit that when they book you. They're like, all right, you know, I've definitely thought about doing that. (laughs) It's the sound of criminal mischief. Definitely. And people get into mischief on planes, too, you know? I guess the kids still want that badge of joining the Mile High Club, which who can blame them? Yeah. I've earned it. You've earned it. We earned it together, in fact. Gotta be in there. 33,000 feet up. I mean, come on, that's a magic number. It's a magic badge to have. And so when a couple went into the lavatory on an easy jet flight... And people could start hearing them have sex. They started egging on this bashful flight attendant to open the door and expose them. And so then someone uploaded a video online of the whole thing going down. And Boing Boing reported on it first, rightfully so, with that name. Yeah, Boing Uh, Boing. (laughs) Flight attendant, 
four eyes dude is standing outside the bathroom kind of listening to it going on and all these women in the cabin are just screaming at him you know open the door open the door and he opens the door and there is a man and a woman the woman's bent over in there and the dude's got his pants down doing the deed you know <laughs> yeah. so the dude shuts the door really hard and everyone's giggling and laughing and having a great time you know i'm sure when they came out of the bathroom they were greeted with cheers and jeers uh-huh. it was just fun it seemed fun but man, it has rolled out into this huge drama uh, because the dude is British and his mom is the first person the media goes to to interview. And ah. she's so disappointed in her son. And her son comes out and he's like, yeah, I don't even know that girl's name. I didn't get her number. So if you're oh, out there, shit. like, please get in contact with me because was it was fun. nice and it was fun. <laughs> and like, I would see you again. You know, it's not like I'm an asshole. It's just a one and done thing. It just, we're on a plane. And then when you step out to the jeers and cheers, it's, uh, it can kind of be chaotic, you know? You sure. lose sense of, oh, I should probably get your details and reconnect with you later. He's 23 and he's guessing, or maybe 25. He's guessing she was 23. Mm. So maybe she gave him her age. But yeah, anyway, an epic misconnection and. He had a misconnection coming home, too, from his trip to Ibiza because he was banned from flying with EasyJet after that incident. <laughs> so he had to find another one-way ticket. Come on, EasyJet. Why you make it hard? Right. You could just embrace being sleazy, Jet. You know everybody wants to bang in the bathroom on an airplane. Just it's, People take a shit in there. I know. That's way grosser. Definitely. Definitely. And... and, and- you're allowed to beat off in there. Nobody says anything. Exactly. But, exactly. They ooh, don't care. Oh, oh, that boy and girl went in there at the same time. I bet they're trying to fuck. Duh. Like, yeah, okay. So, he could be in there long. Just wait it out, man. Right, right. That fat guy that took this shit earlier took way longer. Ugh. And no one wanted to go in there after just, that. Just chill, man. Just... Just shut, mind your own business, man. It just kills me because they could have embraced all the PR, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're the flight where those two were banging, those two good-looking kids. Or I guess they're adults. <laughs> Fly easy, Jet, where you can bang in the bathroom and we'll clap for you. Get sleazy with easy. It's easy sleazy. <laughs> nice. There's just a lot that they could do there, but yeah. no, you know, it's some British bullshit. Yeah, a little snooty. Fucking prudes. And I have one final story for the lanes tonight. Oh. Uh, And this is about a Danish artist who was commissioned by a museum uh, to make something, some art, about labor conditions and money. And the title of the exhibition going on, the greater exhibition overall, was Work It Out. This artist, by the name of Haining, uh was hired to recreate two of his earlier pieces, which featured banknotes attached to a canvas representing the average annual wage in Denmark and Austria. Um, And as well as lending him the notes, the museum decided to also pay him $3,900 for the work. So when he came back to them and said, okay, here it is, I'm submitting my art to you, Uh, I've titled it Take the Money and Run, well... It kind of surprises me that they were shocked to find he gave them blank canvases. <laughs> it's like, man, he told you the name of the work. So. That is art, people. Pay yeah. attention. That is art. 
Altogether, he was paid 84000 and he's now being ordered to repay 70600 and what? another 11000 in court fees. But I want to read his statement, because yes, this is a true artist here. I would, yeah, it sounds like it. He says, the artwork is that I have taken the money. I encourage others who have just as miserable working conditions as I to do the same. If they are being asked to give money to go to work, then take the money and run. It's not theft. It is a breach of contract. And the breach of contract is part of the work. Base. I see what he did. Yeah, that's absolutely art. I agree fullheartedly. Hey, you buy art, you might pay for art you don't like. But that's just your opinion, man. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. You may not like it. But accept it. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's art. It's art. And it's another bowl in the books. 270. Thanks for writing it out. This is a long bowl. This is irresponsible. They didn't have to write it out. They got chapters now. You got chapters. <laughs> so now we're going to do five-hour shows. Oh, no. Watch your ass. Well, we'll see if the value adds up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bullers. We're going to get out of here. We love you so much. Come join us on the Bull After Bull stream Thursday night for another episode of Homegrown Hits. Lorian will be joining Mary-Kate Ultra and Daisy B. Cooper for another episode. Some music tunes. That's right. All decentralized. Then, of course, we'll be back at it next Tuesday and every other Tuesday, as long as you look at the calendar. And see, it says Tuesday. That's the, that's the night. 9 p.m. Central, right after DH Unplug wraps up. That's when we kind of stretch our legs, grab the stream, get things going. And throughout it all, I shall remain Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. And I will forever be your Dame DeLorean. Until next time, bowlers. May your bowls burn ever brighter. No, I'm rolling, I'm rolling. You get too much spit on it. Not if you were stoned at the time. Honey, you read. Sparking up a J. My bite biting up a J. Oh man, that looks like pot. Yep, that's blood, all right. Do you smoke pot? Yeah, dude, you were here smoking pot with me. Streaming value for value and weed is an excellent combination. First rule of being a smoker is it's bad manners to keep bumming all the damn time. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl.com. Bowl after bowl.com. Bowl after bowl.com. Bowl after bowl.com.